open. Sip. All right. Welcome to Drink to the Past. As always, I am your host, uh, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. This is the only theme song. Oh, no. I screwed up already. I have to drink. (laughs) This is the only (coughs) podcast where the theme song is just several idiots opening their beers. So we we conducted that in unison, so we hope you appreciate. It's very difficult in these trying times to coordinate opening beer at the same time through the Internet. Uh, so praise us for our amazing feats. Anyways, we have our actual largest podcast we've ever had on here, accidentally. Uh, we have, uh, Breath of the Lyle is on here. Mazel tov, hello. And Crowbird is returning once again. Hello again. And we have, uh, Nick, who we've talked about occasionally. I just his back. downed a margarita. Oh, Sweet, like I'll drink to that. Margarita? I mean, yes. Do you ever just down a half a margarita? Come on, Chris, what the hell? No, you gotta yeah. remember. Uh, Chris? Drink for that. Huh. No, I don't think I've yeah. ever had a margarita. Huh. That's that's a straight lie. They're better if the glass looks fancy. Is a straight is lie cold. better than a gay lie? Is, is is there a bisexual lie? I mean, I did it. anything could be a lie. I don't, don't want to get into that here. Yeah, that does sound a little too political for our podcast. Instead, I guess we'll just have a drink. So anyways, uh, the first segment of the podcast is called Sean Drinks Something Stupid, which is where I make some kind of cocktail, which lately has been out of a little bottle that says, dump this bottle in a glass and put in a shot of blank. Uh, so today's drink of the week is a Brazilian-style capirina. Well, whatever the fuck that is. Got no clue. It says shake well on the bottle, I just noticed, and I did not shake it well. But I did stir it okay, I think. Hmm. That is slightly watered down, because my ice has been sitting in it a little too long. Mm. But it is... Um... Sweet. Like, it literally just tastes like I'm drinking, like, simple syrup or something. I mean, you gotta drink faster to make sure there's less ice in there. Okay, I'll I'll just down it the entire thing then. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, that gets a uh, five on my scale of three to seventeen. It literally just tastes like sugar water. <laughs> Yummy. Like, if that's your thing, go for it. I don't know what a capirina is supposed to taste like. Sweet tea, so, perhaps. Maybe. Taste. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Breath of the Lyle. What are you drinking today? Yes, okay. We'll just call so you Lyle for short now. That's perfectly that's fine easier. with me. Um, call me anything except sober. <coughs> okay. <laughs> so tonight I just have some uh, Jack Daniels with some Dr. Pepper. Earlier I was drinking some, um, oh, what are those things called? It was either Mike's Hard Lemonades or Smirnoff Ices or whatever. I love the fruity stuff. I'm not a big beer mm-hmm. guy, but... Like I said, tonight is just Jack and Daniels and Dr. Pepper. Normally it'd be Fireball and Dr. Pepper, but I'm out of Fireball for obvious ah. reasons. Oh, it's tragedy. Easy. That's okay. Uh, I heard you've been pre-gaming. You were telling us on Twitter there, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started a little early. That's okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. My dad always said you can't be drunk all day unless you start real early in the morning. I was going to say, not so, with that uh, attitude. Right, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I have a Guinness with breakfast every day. Yep. Anyways, uh, Crow, what you drinking? So, I'm drinking the only thing that I have left in my house, which is the... I'm probably going to butcher this, but... Gekekan Sake? All I had left. 
not, well, initially, I, I also did a little bit of pre-gaming. As soon as I saw Lyle was drinking, I'm like, well, I can't let me. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, he can't one-up us. <laughs> at, at first, I would have given this a 3 out of 7. I don't like the taste of dry liquors, but it's starting mm. to grow on me, and I think that's the booze talking. That's yeah, possible, so. but, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, Lyle, rate your man. drink uh, on a scale of 3 to 17. Wait, me? Uh, yeah, yeah, you. Oh, I my bad, sorry. To I... have you rate your drink. Yeah, I didn't so hear the name. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, we we a... rate it on a scale of 3 to 17. 17 3 to 17. Yeah. Hmm. I'd go with a good 11 and 3 quarters. All right, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's uh, like, above average, not too bad. So, uh, Nick, what are you drinking? Um, nothing fancy. Colorado India Pale Ale. Um, I just had a margarita. It was made with something. I'm not quite sure what. It just kind of appeared Tequila in front of me. Tequila and sweet shit. I believe it was Jose Cuervo margarita mix, some sort, and orange juice. Okay. Basically, you said to my fiance, works. hey, if you want me to drink, then make me a drink. But otherwise, <laughs> and she made me a drink, so I love her. <laughs> nice. But now <laughs> I have a beer keep her. More or less. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Also, Chris is here. I forgot to say Chris when I was introducing everybody. <laughs> but, Hi, uh, I'm I guess Chris, you all actually recording this podcast on debt. And I'm yeah, drinking weird, a milk stout nitro uh, from left hand. Which I Yay, Stout Month continues. Been... Two consecutive months of Stout <laughs> Month. Chris, can I eat your snacks? I'm asking for Carrie. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I, you, you guys haven't touched those? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You've been in honor, quarantine honor for code. six weeks and you haven't eaten something, Chris? Dude, we have a shitload of food. My parents are like, hey, we killed an elk. You want some meat? I'm like, sure. That sounds good. There's 50 like pounds of elk. I'm like, all right. I'm also mm. lowering how much my microphone is picking up out of fear that'll blast people's eardrums out. Watch, now it'll be like too quiet and everybody will be like, what the fuck are they saying? <laughs> They're talking to a voice we cannot hear. <laughs> all right, and now to get into my beer of the week, since I downed that... Uh, Whatever the fuck that was, like a shot. Uh, my beer of the week is Newcastle Brown Ale, uh, which is a pretty okay go-to. Uh, funny story: Newcastle actually once paid me one dollar. The Newcastle Beer Company, wherever the hell they are, they're in England somewhere, I think. Yeah, they are. Nope, it says in Petaluma, California, is where this was brewed and bottled. That's Although it might be owned by a British company. I thought it was a British. But anyways, I don't fucking know. But they make an okay brown. Um, but I haven't had it in a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a decent brown. Um, I'm gonna give that a let's give that a thirteen, but I think I'm gonna sit on it. I might I might go higher if I decide I like it. You should drink Anyways. it instead of sit on it. Uh, yeah, I guess sitting on bottles can be a little awkward. Well, you know what they say about inserting alcohol through a different orifice. <laughs> It'll work just the same. You're right. Anywho. Anywho, uh, let's go into <laughs> our news and booze segment. Um, so, uh, 
Fortnite is now available on Google Play. It has been available on Android for something over a year. I don't remember. Uh, but Epic Games made the statement that they are going through Google's official store now because Google blocks software obtained outside the Google Play Store and uses numerous pop-up notifications for third-party installed apps, which is a total bullshit statement. None of that is true. But that's their excuse for... Uh, going through it is they're like we didn't want to but Google made us by making third party apps not work but it's like if you if you have a Android phone if you install a third party app it'll ask you once when you install it are you sure you want to install it it's not from the Play Store and you push yes and that's it I so mean, I'm like what the fuck let's, let's be honest history. though like anything with Google like Google Stadia with with more and more companies backing out of Google Stadia I know this really isn't much tied to Google Stadia, but like I think it adds to the to the discredibility, if that's a word, of why we should put anything Google related in into terms with gaming. Like, no thank you. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, so I think this is just kind of a weird story because I'm like, why is it an issue, first of all, to go through Google Play? Because, like, if you're going through Google Play, I feel like that's, like, free advertising, right? It's, you know, one of the biggest app stores in the planet. Why not? You know, uh, if you... I, I mean, I guess Fortnite and Epic Games is a big enough company that they can probably make it on their own. But if they can make it on their own and go through a big gas third-party thing just to get the extra views and clicks, then why the fuck not? And then why make a bullshit statement about Google's policies? <laughs> like, I guess they're just hoping nobody fact checks and then they're just like gonna be angry at Google. But I'm like, why would you want people angry at Google? Then nobody will download your app on the Play Store. You'll make less money, right? The Epic Game Store that... has a history of random bullshit like this. Like uh, poaching the Shenmue Three uh, dev team and getting them to be an Epic Store exclusive after a Kickstarter promise that the game would be on Steam or Borderlands. Mm. Yeah, Borderlands. Really, a lot yeah, but of Bo shady. Borderlands Three was stuff. only a Google, was only a Epic exclusive for six months, which I agree it shouldn't have ever been in been an exclusive there for six months and i don't I'm, I'm not a big proponent of the epic store first and foremost but has it been mm. already? i don't know i've never gone through them i've only played fortnite on switch which obviously is through the eShop, and i played it like once mm. for an f like uh maybe a few hours with some guys that i met online and i was like yeah that was fine but i'm probably never gonna play it again so, it's you know. fortnite's a big subject just in general like i yeah Personally, I'm just not a big fan of the battle royale genre, but uh. <laughs> but like I don't I don't think that it like it's I have to respect what what kind of hustle it is because it has garnished such an art such an audience it has gained such a following like I don't think it really needs that extra push that you were saying like I don't think it needs that extra notoriety that extra throw out into the into the public view like people it fortnite has become a household name we we don't yeah. need to we don't it doesn't need it but it to me in my opinion it adds to the the fact that 
uh, Epic is a greedy, a greedy company. Like if they're going to grab that extra dollar, they're going to have, they're, they're going to do what they can to get that extra dollar. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously no company has proven to be in, in electronic arts yet, but right. I mean, if this, if this isn't a step in that direction, then I don't know what is. Right. I mean, all right. What's your so all about? definitely fair points. Uh, sorry. Was that who was talking? No, that was me. You're good. Carry on. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm done. Oh. Oh, you're done. Okay. Okay. Well, in that case, we're going to go on to our next piece of news. Uh, Ninjala is now going to be in an uh, open beta. Uh, you can pre-install now on Nintendo Switch and play April 28th, which is coming up pretty shortly. Uh, so Ninjala is this uh, game. It's It looks kind of interesting, but I'm not sure if I'd really be into it. But like a lot of people that were E at, I think it debuted at E3 2018. Uh, so it's been a couple of years, and the people who played well, the it at the Master demo Ninja, there at E3 2018 were like, yeah, this is like the next oh, Splatoon. So it's that kind of quality, ninja? it's got that kind of vibe. So it's it looks like this little weird kind of game where you're like ninjas and you can like run on walls, but then there's also a mechanic where you blow bubblegum at people to stick them to the ground and shit. So it's like got all sorts of interesting weird mechanics. It looks like that kind of weird uh, Nintendo kind of game. So... Um, do we? Yeah, anybody do we, have do thoughts on that? Do we know if that's a Nintendo exclusive? Like, not a Nintendo exclusive, but like, is that a first-party title or is that a second or third-party just being on the on the Switch exclusively? I think it's a second-party. I'm not sure because I feel like they mentioned a different developer, which I'd have to look up. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, so I don't think it's a Nintendo uh, developed game, uh, but I think Nintendo is publishing it. It is coming out on Switch, uh, and I believe it's going to be a free-to-play game when it comes out as well. But uh, I'd have to look up all that as well. But at least the uh, open beta will be free uh, for the moment. Are you saying it's second party, whoever that yeah, is? Sorry. Developed by Gung Ho Online Entertainment in partnership okay. with Nintendo. Huh. So knowing that now, I would definitely say that it's it, it probably looked at Splatoon and took inspiration from it and, and realized, hey, Nintendo is really good at doing this like uh not necessarily massively multiplayer but just like this pvp quirkiness like obviously it's not a a, a pew pew bang bang shoot 'em up but it's like hey we have these everyday tools paint brushes uh paint rollers paint buckets um and we're using these animals and how can we combine them and they're playing off of that success because splatoon obviously was unique for the time when it came out um and i feel like and not not necessarily in a negative connotation, but this is riding off of Splatoon's success and its notoriety. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. I don't think it's going to be, but I also don't think it's going to be nearly as successful as Splatoon because people are going to think they're going to think of Splatoon when they see this. Um, I think if they want this to have any sort of uh, I don't know major success with this to compare to Splatoon, they definitely need to come out with some updates or, or some gameplay quirks that, that could tie in or could, uh, I don't know, that, that, that are weird and, like, I hate to reuse this word, but quirky. Right. You know, this almost feels to me like the uh, uh, release of Cadence of Hyrule, you know? Small mm. third-party developer getting backed by Nintendo to develop, to develop a game similar to one of their own games. Okay. That's the vibe that I'm here. That actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. 
Um, but like my my first impressions when when seeing it, uh, I thought it it looked fun. Um, it didn't, you know, just like with Splatoon, it didn't look grounded. Like you can, it definitely didn't have to stay in one spot for too long. You can traverse the world pretty quickly. Um, the weapons and the way that you interacted with other characters looked, you know, fun. Um, if if they ever if they came out, just like with Arms, if they came out with like a free demo, I'd definitely give it a shot. I don't I don't know if I would download the game off launch, but I'll be uh, honest, I forgot this game existed until, <laughs> until it got I, brought up. I'm, I, I would probably say the same, actually. But as soon as it was mentioned, all, all of it came rushing back, so to say. Yeah. Oh, we lost it. Rut row. Spam my man down. There he is. There he is. Hey, I'm back, everybody. Okay, so sorry, I uh, thought Crow cut out there, so I started being like, Crow, what are you talking about? And then I was like, wait, maybe I cut out. What happened? <laughs> we basically compared this to Cadence of Hyrule in that situation. Okay, uh, that's an interesting comparison. Because, uh, yeah, I was going to go into uh, say that it's definitely the art style takes uh, a lot from Splatoon. Like, it looks like... Uh, like, I would believe you if you told me that it was the same art team. It, it draws that much in for inspiration from Splatoon, I feel like. Uh, oh, yeah. Just put into a ninja setting instead of a Squid Kid setting. Yeah, definitely taking inspiration. Even the gum physics feel similar. Mm. I'm re-watching the trailer right now. Yep, I just hit play. Yeah, um, so even... it looks neat. I'll try it when it comes into beta. Uh, but uh, you know, I I feel like it's a game I can't say that much about until I played it. Uh, go ahead, Lyle. I was gonna say, in in addition to what I had said earlier, I think they're taking a little bit of uh, a little bit of the Splatoon criticism into account when when creating this, because I know a lot of people were not a fan of the four, uh, what was it? I think is it three v three or four v four in Splatoon? It's it's a low number. Um, and people wanted more versus more. Uh, and I think watching this trailer now, I think it's six versus six. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I may be wrong about that, but just from the initial uh, watch again. But um, also from the, j just from the, what is the word for the, the picture that you see before you hit play on the video? Thumbnail. Um, just from the <laughs> thumbnail, it definitely takes Splatoon inspiration because like there's the one character that's like looking backwards, but like swinging its weapon over its shoulder. And I mean that just it just yeah. reminds it reminds me of an inkling like holding a paintbrush or holding a a, a paint roller just like yeah, ready it's to definitely taking advantage of that Splatoon aesthetic to kind of get that uh, familiarity to push so sales. Everyone thinks this game looks like Splatoon, and that's yeah. yeah that's what I was saying. Like I don't, I, I I hope it doesn't end up being a thing that shoots itself in the foot because. Like, it's a double-edged sword, because people could be like, oh, it's just another Splatoon clone, but other people could be like, oh, if it's just like Splatoon, it could be equally as fun, or it could be equally as great, like, equally as appealing. Oh. I don't think that these characters, though, from, and like I said, from just this initial watch, I don't think these characters are quite as memorable or as iconic as, like, Inklings, um, nor do I think that we would potentially get one of these uh Ninjala characters like in Super Smash Brothers in the future. But look uh, at those hairdos. Oh. <laughs> hey man, I never said that we wouldn't get you know like uh, me Neo costumes in Switch. Yeah. 
but uh, <laughs> right. by, by the way, uh, we'll get to find out here very, very soon because um, the game releases May 27. So oh, true. Next month. True, true. Uh, and it's going to yeah. be free to play. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, the open beta starts in a few days here. I have it pre-installed on my Switch. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll jump in as soon as the beta opens. I think it'll be a interesting 28th. thing to try out at least. I'm like, sure, I'll give it a go, especially if it's free, right? Oh, Can't so beat I... a free game in quarantine. I was gonna say I sit corrected because uh, <laughs> I was just saying how like if a free demo came out I would I would check it out but if it's gonna be free to play like I see re- I see no reason to not try it. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, so we'll go on to our next news piece. Uh, physical sales of Animal Crossing: New Horizons has posted the third best launch month for any Nintendo game ever. The, awesome. My wife is <laughs> also. <laughs> Wasn't able to get a physical copy. Wait, really? Yes. Why is that? Sold like wild about fun. ten days ago, for my fiance's early birthday present, and the physical copies were all out of stock at Best Buy, at least. Oh, so I ended up I'm getting sorry. a digital copy, which was mm. fine. Did that because yeah. of Best Buy gift card, but yeah, my... not a big deal due to SD cards and how far technology has gone with the small data storage. Yeah. My store has been out uh, of Animal Crossing for about three weeks. Animal Crossing and toilet paper. What are you going to do? It's, <laughs> it's both understandable, but at the same time, like, unfathomable. Because I, I know how big Animal Crossing's following is, but it just honestly couldn't have come at a more perfect coincidental time. Hmm. And uh, actually, also speaking in terms of digital sales, that's another part of this news topic. Uh, Animal Crossing posted 5 million copies sold, which is now the world record for digital game sales in a one-month period. Uh, Chris has typed in here that it might actually be tied with Bannerlord, depending on how April finishes out. Uh, So, Chris, tell us a little bit about how Bannerlord is doing. So, the estimate for Bannerlord's sold copies is from... Two to five million, with one million on launch day. And I mm-hmm. say this because it's impressive that Animal Crossing might actually be outdoing Bannerlord, because my yeah. world is very small. <laughs> it's already in the top ten highest selling Switch games. Yeah. Um. So yeah, everybody has Animal Crossing pretty much. I mean, it's it, I've I've discovered and both kind of new at the same time. It's it's a game that you either and a, a series that you either really like are into or you're really not. Because uh-huh. um, I know plenty of people that picked it up just for the hype, and obviously tons of people that picked it up because they're longtime fans. But uh, I I like so many people have just put so many like put how many what like 20 30 hours into it and they're just like yeah it's just not my thing and i totally uh-huh. understand it and i'm one of those people that's that that is a long time animal crossing fan i personally think that the gamecube animal crossing is the second best animal crossing game um with new horizons being the new crown owner but like i've put close almost 200 hours into this new animal crossing game and it's mm-hmm. such a simple concept it, it, it's it's crazy to think that the the amount of hours, the amount of time that people put into all these intricate, beautiful games that are first party, second parties on all these other systems, 
they don't do nearly as well nor ne have nearly as big a following like like look at look at the uh the coinciding release that came with animal crossing doom eternal doom yeah. eternal like doom has had a following since well, what 30 plus years uh yeah 1993 so coming up on 30 coming uh, yeah okay um and yet a both the communities for both animal crossing and doom have been so friendly towards each other but doom eternal i wouldn't say has done nearly as well as, as uh animal crossing new horizons and and animal it's crossing has much, but it's just not in the news nearly as often as animal crossing so no nope. gives you a little indicator yeah, and actually to that point, I have also played Animal Crossing New Horizons, and frankly to me, it feels like a watered-down game of the genre it's attempting to capture. Which which I totally understand. And and are you referring to like... Which is interesting because of how wildly successful it's been, yet to me it feels watered-down, which is interesting. So Maybe it's its own genre. <laughs> like I don't think of it as like a harvest moon like but see that's the thing like a lot of people compare it to harvest moon they compare it to stardew valley but what do what do harvest moon and stardew valley both have in common they both star majorly and and predominantly human character human characters where where yes you are playing as a human character in animal crossing as well but everyone else that you interact with in Animal Crossing are obviously animals. You're not trying to romance them. You're not trying to you're not trying to farm like your own Hey, I will ship whatever villager hey, I want. Hey, <laughs> for the, for, hey. Yeah. No, for the record. In Stardew for the record, Valley, not, I was not trying to romance the wizard. It was pretty <laughs> cool and I wanted to be friends. Absolutely. That's what I was getting at. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but like no Animal Crossing has ever had a romancing aspect to it. No Animal Crossing has ever had a farming in terms of like growing your own crops and you know necessarily trying to win over a particular person like your 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 villagers in animal crossing are going to stay in your village they're going to stay on your island unless so then what would you say animal crossing is that's what i'm getting to like that, that that's the open question for everyone here what would like if it if it's trying to be something else what is it trying to be if it's if it's also taking after these other games that are very 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 similar, but at the same time being something else, what what else is so? It if it's not taking after those games that people would want to consider or compare it to, if anything to me, it almost looks like watching an ant farm. <laughs> so <laughs> ant farm simulator over here, you're like, ooh, little town, oh, a new store set up, oh, a new, you know, the mayor's house got bigger, whatever. And that sort of shit's happening in that game, and it kind of gives you a participatory role in it, which makes it a game instead of an ant farm. I always kind of, when I explained it to customers, I always explained it as like a, think of it like a diet sims. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's a good not, way to put it. It's not disparaging yeah, it. Like, I've got a hundred yeah, no, 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 no. game. Not at all. That's a good, great way to put it. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. rare games that makes you wait to play it <laughs> but i would, I would say that for new characters or for new new newcomers to the game at least because they're i mean i'm not going to get into this whole debate at the at the moment because there's all there's everyone that's like oh time skipping is cheating or whatever 
the people that have played Animal Crossing in the past know that you can change the date and progress the game faster and faster and faster because you know ultimately in Animal Crossing the end game is get the villagers you want get the get like design the island to your to your ultimate goal um but then you get the people that are that are bored and it's like okay well let me get through the first 30 hours of tutorial and that's where they that's where i think the idea of like a waiting simulator and making you wait for so long comes into play so it's a farm simulator not really because you're not farming anything you're not far- like in a literal sense you're not farming crops sure um, but you're farming a village you're waiting for it to grow and you are interacting with it to encourage its growth it is a farming simulator and your products are animals <laughs> and then eventually you <laughs> harvest your villagers <laughs> for I mean, organs i mean yeah if that's if that's how you see it yeah furnish your house somehow this took a dark turn. I'm very sorry. No, 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 no. It's not a dark turn at all. It's just different perspectives. Honestly, my <laughs> house is just a warehouse for the uh, hot sales days. <laughs> it's a mess, and my fiance loves it. Now she hates it. She's like, what the fuck, babe? <laughs> so moving on to another little bit of sales data. We got, um, according to the NPD report this month, uh, the Nintendo Switch sold 1 million units in the U.S. alone in the month of March. So that's munch a lot of switches. The munch I of guess munch. everybody's like, well, we're on lockdown. We better go buy Animal Crossing. And that's really yeah. crazy because, like, my coworker, <laughs> I, I work seven days on, seven days off, even during all this craziness. And uh, my coworker is, in, like, I convinced her to pick up a Switch, and she has yet to be able to find one at a reasonable price. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Yeah, because... Like, we were looking the other day, scalpers are still, you know, it's like you launch again, you know? They're like 500, 600 bucks on eBay. It's like, exactly. If, um, if you guys are okay with the Switch Lite, I know GameStop, we've been trying to keep them in stock thanks to Nintendo. Like We have a special deal with them, so we sell these bundles on, get a couple games and accessories. For, yeah, so my, uh, my, my coworker has really been like looking for the docked mode especially with everything going on um Mm -hmm. the 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 mobility isn't really a selling point right yeah right now it's like i was thinking i'm like because especially kind of going back to doom eternal i'm like oh yeah i want to hold out for the switch version of doom eternal but then i'm like well i'm stuck in my house anyways what's the difference gonna be i might as well get it on ps4 now maybe Uh, so i've been thinking about it but you know uh, another little tidbit of sales data. Uh, last one for sales. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake sells 3.5 million copies in three fucking days. So here's a here's a like unpopular opinion. Disgusting. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. I don't like I don't like Final Fantasy VII. I think it's Ooh. a very overrated a very overrated title. <laughs> Uh, I think it's it I think it's be. wrong. I think it's wrong that Cloud is the poster child for the entire franchise. Uh, hmm. I why I'm not surprised that that those sales numbers are what they are, and I think it's purely based on nostalgia. And there's not not that there's anything wrong with that. I just I want better representation for the rest of the franchise because, in my opinion, Final Fantasy VI is a far superior game. Clearly, Red Thirteen should. Right, so, yeah, uh, Red 13 for the win. 
<laughs> I'm of the opinion that Final Fantasy VI was the better game, but I still hold Final Fantasy VII up there. Perfectly valid, man. Final Perfectly Fantasy VII is kind of a funny one, too, because basically it's the game that got me into JRPGs, so that's kind of what it is to me. Uh, and at the same time, it was also really just like, groundbreaking in terms of cinematic achievement in video games and sure. i feel like that same feeling is being recre recreated in the remake it it feels just as good to watch these cinematics now and be like holy fuck these are amazeballs as it was in 1997 to see them you know uh and with with just how far technology has progressed it's like kind of phenomenal that you're having the same feeling uh playing both titles uh so that's kind of where i'm coming from uh is it's not my final, favorite final fantasy either actually but i do still have it kind of in a special place because it was my first final fantasy and it was really my first jrpg so um, I, I think i even played this before pokemon that raises year. an interesting question was it the game that brought JRPGs as a genre into the mainstream. I mean, before Final Fantasy VII, we only got half of the Final Fantasy games released in North America. So maybe. I, I think it certainly did a lot to push the uh, genre <laughs> forward, at least stateside. Obviously, there's always have been way bigger in Japan. Uh, you know, the hey, stuff man, like Dragon Quest proves that. Uh, stuff like uh, Monster Hunter. You know, it's like all of these kinds of games are like really popular in Japan, and then you come stateside and nobody gives a fuck. But Final well, Fantasy kind of is the one JRPG that pretty much every American will tell you is like, oh yeah, that's my favorite RP JRPG series. You know, although uh, probably a majority, I would say. Uh, and I feel America. like Final Fantasy VII is the reason for that i'll, I'll give it the that one that brought it forward to the uh stomping ground i'll give it that because it was competing with a lot of major groundbreaking titles at the time so like goldeneye came out at the same time um the very yeah. first fallout came out at the same time Star Fox 64 mm -hmm. quake 2 which obviously was a big one um doom 64 so like a lot of big mm -hmm. titles came out in 1997 so like when people are choosing to pick and play Final Fantasy VII versus these other iconic titles, that kind of hype and that kind of build is going to be there, uh, and it's going to be strong for it when it comes back when it comes out again in 2020. So, I I, I will definitely give it like it, it's earned its place, but I definitely think that it's the the fault of Square Enix to, and I can't say that it's not you know, a good business tactic to focus on what your strength is. Um, but I definitely think it'd be good business practice to to give credit to what a lot of your other, like, a lot, what what came before your biggest strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? So, like, as, as much as I, as much as I praise and as much as I, you know, give credit to Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think that other things should have come before it. It's something people have been clamoring for for more than a decade. So I feel yeah. like 
they were at a point where they're like, hey, let's print money. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's where like a lot of my opinions with a lot of things like comes into a vast like a, a what's the word I'm looking for? A stark 180 as opposed to the vast majority because I I'm all about like if if I were into game development, I would I would be like, "Hey, let's get into this and redo this because we did this really well back then and it was really good storytelling." And it was really good, like character development. Let's like not not necessarily from a business standpoint. Let's not do this because it would make us a shit ton of money. And obviously, I can't say that because I'm not in that position. But I I really like have a strong belief that if I were in that position, I'd I'd say, hey, let's give some let's give them something compelling. Not to say that Final Fantasy VII back in '97 wasn't compelling, but I don't know, man. I just I guess I just have my preferences. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Who's ready for a juicy-ass rumor? Oh, uh, this came out today on. from Video Games Chronicle, which is a website I've never heard of that has really clickbaity articles. But the article was had an interesting uh, premise to it. So basically the rumor is this. Horizon Zero Dawn is planned to be a trilogy... And the sequel is shifting development from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5, and the game may include co-op play. I saw that just as we got on here. I will say quickly, just before I, you know, take over again, um, <laughs> right. how how could you not see Horizon Zero Dawn 2 coming, like, being PlayStation 5? Uh, right. You know, I, I don't think they're going to... Def- definitely Yeah, this late in the game, to... it seems like it would be a little odd to release such a big title as a PS4 instead of a PS5, unless they did, like, a dual release, like Twilight Princess or something, uh, or uh, Breath of the Wild. Is I mean, even, example, I think. even Last of Us, like, Last of Us being PS3, PS4, Yeah, I, I'd say that tied in as well. Um, but, like, the, the whole co-op thing, I would not be opposed. I'd be interested to, to see, you know, who would be that other character. And then probably um, have to um, be online only co-op. Absolutely. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You could go about it the uh, the Ghost Recon uh, route for Wildland. Or the, or the yeah. Halo Five route. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I didn't call me a heathen. I didn't play Halo Five. <laughs> good. No. Good. Good. I played all the others. <laughs> but that was that was sarcasm. Halo Five. They did away with split screen like couch co-op. Yeah. Then. Yeah, people, people that was that was kind of why that, that that's a fair amount of the reason why I don't own an Xbox One. Yep, good reason. <laughs> if with, if it had couch co-op in Halo Five, I might have jumped the gun and got one. But I was just like, it's one player per Xbox. No, I don't give a fuck about Halo anymore. Die Halo hard, is die hard a multiplayer Xbox game over here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, is there any good reasons to have an Xbox One? Not anymore, no. And you have Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, I have that on PC now. It's on Which PC. Says that it's on now PC. Too. It's not a good reason yeah. to own a console. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. Um, so, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I think this could be interesting. I would actually really like to see co-op play, because then I think maybe they would... Because uh, my one biggest problem with Horizon Zero Dawn in the first place is that it's really kind of shoehorns you into using the bow as your primary weapon and i'm just like no i want to be a melee fighter you've got a really cool 
melee stick fighting system, but it's so underpowered compared to if you spend all your skill points on bow skills. I'm like, why is this so so unbalanced? And I feel I, like adding a co-op play would kind of force their hand to make them a little more even. I agree with that because, like, I remember you saying that earlier. They could have, you know, they could have added an elemental aspect to the to the melee, like to the staff. Um, yeah, maybe or giving maybe you like... an upgrade anywhere in the first twenty hours of gameplay. I'm like, <laughs> I've played twenty hours and I still have the same shitty ass stick I got in the first town. Yeah, because like spoiler alert, you know how like there was a the whole not really a spoiler, but like there was a whole viral thing with some of the robots. Like you could have added that little aspect to your elemental aspect to your staff and like stabbed them and like made them fight for you or something. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah, you know what? It's just like I like the combat in both mechanics, but really, just as a gamer, I'm more of a up close and personal, hit it with a stick kind of guy. You know. I don't into the like the to fight. be, you know, that tactical, let's take a retreat, let's set up traps, let's shoot things from afar. I'm like, yeah, I want to go up to it, and I want to punch it in the fucking dick. You have your place <laughs> in the hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully that'll be good. I, I'm pretty sure it'll pro- it's probably in development. I don't know if the trilogy thing will come true. That might be kind of neat. Uh, who knows? Uh, moving on. The next season of the Pokemon anime will premiere in the United States in June on Netflix. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. So this is their first uh, time that Pokemon anime is going to premiere on a streaming service instead of a uh, actual like network channel. Interesting. Screw networks. Streaming for the win. Yeah, pretty much. I'm only, like, I haven't had cable in like TV years, shows, so yeah. I've been like, when I watch the Pokemon anime, it's just when it comes to Netflix, anyways, which I haven't been keeping up much. It's like, it's like way more boring to be. See, like, it's like it's not awful, and it, like I watch it with my kids, and I'm like, yeah, this is a fine thing to watch with my kids. And that might be that might be where you and I differ because I don't have kids uh, right. yet, but. Um, I'm also one of the very few that has, b- because of recent entries, have been completely turned off of Pokemon. Yeah, because uh, like it, for the past few like series, it's been just like, okay, here we are, Pokemon stuff, and Team Rocket is like, hi, we're the bad guys. We're inexplicably evil and not funny anymore. I I just also wasn't a fan of the new. Uh the artistic change when the, uh, what was it sun and moon when they yeah. made this major sun and moon i like it was a weird change but i was like whatever i'll try it but that is the most boring the anime yep, has is. ever been it's so slow it's dull nothing ever happens there's barely any battles i'm like shut the fuck up just, just, the, just battle fight somebody fight devil man crybaby so that was an interesting anime i just I think I said this before when the show premiered uh, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. There's got to be the most punchable Ash that we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that now. <laughs> oh my god, it's like yeah. way back in my second appearance. I'm tearing up a little bit. It's a little true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. 
And uh, final piece of news and booze is uh, a free demo of Splatoon 2 is coming to the eShop April 29th, the day after uh-huh. the Ninjala open beta launches. So, like, I wonder how they're going to compete with each other. Do uh, it. If you haven't played Splatoon, just download it and do it. It's it's fun. Yeah. And mm, May 22nd, Splatoon 2 is getting its first Splatfest in over a year. I was going to say, I saw that and I was excited. What is it, ketchup versus mustard? Yeah, it's, or ketchup versus mayo is the mayo. thing. Mayo. Uh, which is apparently a rematch from one of the uh, first wave of uh, Splatfests that they did. So I'm like, I'm super hyped for this. So I'm just like, without Splatfests, it's like I haven't been coming back to uh, Splatoon 2 nearly as much. So now I'm like, okay, <laughs> there's a Splatfest coming up. I'm going to boot up my game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to splat some bitches. And I'm gonna get ready for this Splatfest. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna say splat some bitches if I want to. <laughs> totally relevant. Uh, this has nothing to do with Splatoon, uh, but stepping back, I did hear, I did see one other rumor earlier in the uh, since since we were talking about rumors with Horizon, but supposedly they're shooting for a 2021 release for Spider-Man. 2. Oh, that would for, be cool. Wait, for what? For the Spider-Man 2, the sequel to the PS4 Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I'm So, yeah. overall, when it comes to, like, everything that everyone's having to deal with nowadays, whenever something comes out that X is delayed, Y is delayed till whenever, I'm mm-hmm. A-OK with it. Not necessarily, yeah. like, obviously, obviously because of, like, health and safety reasons, but, like, if it gives people more time to tweak and fine-tune and make things better... Mm. That that will just hopefully be an eye opener to anyone and anyone and everyone across the board to to show that it takes more it takes time to create better things. I you mean, can't just cookie cutter. Yes, but also in fairness, we all grew up Zelda fans, so we're more than used to games taking half a decade to, to show up. So for us, <laughs> right. Yeah, take your time. As long as it's good, I'll be happy. That should be an indicator, though. Like, it should be. Oh, yeah, like, that should be the standard. But it's not, which is unfortunate. But don't get me wrong. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get into our video game topic for the day. Uh, What video games have we been hesitant to play but ended up really liking or loving? Um, So this is kind of a topic I was kind of trying to tie into our table topic. So maybe I should have done the table topic first. But I didn't! Okay. (laughs) Um, You can do them both at the same time. Actually, Chris and I did that last week where we talked about video games and table topics. And uh, so that was actually an interesting kind of a uh, conversation. So if you're interested, basically we talked about, like, why everything that happens in video games gets a pass. But if there's, like, technology that's too modern for your D&D setting, or, like, something that's not period, then it's like everybody bitches about it in D&D or in a a tabletop RPG. So uh, it was a really fun conversation. Check out that episode. Um, Did Chris bring up the SWAT suits? I did not bring up the SWAT suits. I did bring up magic users. Whatever he was talking about. Their weapon abilities. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to go first with one that I uh, beat uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that um, <clears throat> I thought was kind of interesting. I was a little hesitant to try it because, like, 
I feel like a lot of the fan base for this game was kind of like, oh, it's it's pretty hard, so that's like why it's good. And I was like, is it is that gonna be it? And they're like, oh man, I died five hundred thousand times on the last level. I'm like, okay, what do you want? A fucking medal? Your dick is huge. Okay. Is it Noida? Move on. It is uh, Celeste. Oh my god, yeah. I love Celeste. Yeah, because I was just Thank like, you. I feel like a, a fair amount of the fan base was just like bragging the shit out of this game. And I was like, okay, it's hard. I get it. Do you want me to praise you for beating it? I, I don't know. But then eventually I was just like, Okay, I've heard enough other good things about the story and all that. Sure, whatever, I'll give it a go. So I beat that a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, actually, that was a really cool game. And it's like, yeah, it was... I wouldn't even say it was hard, hard. It was just the kind of hard where, like, you have to try several... It's just learning you know, patterns. Even a few hundred times. Yeah, it's learning patterns, and it's like jumping at the right time, learning timing. It's like, okay, it's like... I didn't feel like it was insurmountable at any point. So I felt like is... there was a handful of fuck you puzzles, but for the most part, it was like, yeah, okay, just tricky. So but this is it, it gives you, you all the tools to do that. I was gonna say this is interesting that you bring that up because I think that uh, Celeste can be compared to a lot of From Software games because it's not an actual difficulty; it's a false sense of difficulty. It's, yeah. It's learning patterns, it's repetition, and it, like as much as I hate the meme, and this is coming from someone who's just a big fan of FromSoft games, uh, it's it's a lot of getting good, and like not necessarily getting good in in terms of like just being better at the game, like skill wise. Like no, like anyone can pick up one of those games and die a couple times, pick up on the patterns, get successful, and move on. It's Celeste, interesting to me that you call it false difficulty what's real difficulty real difficulty is something that's it's seemingly unfair um let me that's actually a very good question that you brought that up (laughs) oh man the tables have turned i've heard the phrase false difficulty in a different context before referring to like so I'd say real difficulty is, in actuality, the, like like an escalating scaling of something that's more difficult. And I, I, you know, I'm bringing it up again with Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, um, games that have notoriously difficult difficulty settings. So like uh-huh. it's set, it's set in stone that Ultra Nightmare is the most difficult setting. Enemies will have larger health pools. They'll hit like 20 times as hard. Whereas Dark Souls has a false sense of difficulty, it doesn't have a difficulty setting. If I may define difficulty in games, um, essentially what difficulty in games is, is it tests how well you have mastered the mechanics the game has presented. And that's pretty much all there is to it. So it presents you with challenges. The very easy ways to increase the difficulties are yes, increase how much health a monster has, how much damage it deals because those are very simple ways to increase difficulty it demands of the player to show that they have mastered skills that the game has asked them to master <laughs> so you like, know what's actually kind of funny is I've actually described uh, Halo as having false difficulty before because of how it increases difficulty because when you in the halo series when you go up from your easy to normal to legendary then it's like 
all the difference is, is the enemies hit harder and they take more shots to kill. And I've described that as the false difficulty, and here you are yeah. describing exactly the opposite. You know, that, so that's actually it's interesting. It's kind of an interesting way. You can, I feel like it, huh. it became a puzzle to describe it in both directions, if that makes sense. No, that, it does. It does. So, yeah. like, my, my lack of option from choosing the difficulty comes across to me as the false difficulty because it's, it's one way to do the things across the board, whereas... In a way, it's the same exact thing with multiple difficulty settings, just you having to adjust to what's presented to you based off of the game. Am, am I am I reading that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Except that's interesting in the case of Halo because I, I remember I got into an argument with my roommates because I was I basically posited that Halo on Legendary becomes a puzzle game. Instead of a combat shooter, yeah. knowing like when to throw a grenade where, when do you throw the grenade where, which target do you target first, which building or cover do you hide behind, in what order, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of how it works because it's like depending on the patterns you take out enemies, you'll have different bullets available at this time or whatever, and then you can yep. if you kill this enemy, oh, you can pick up his rocket launcher or something. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it too. Yeah, it just got downright silly at some points. <laughs> in, except in Halo 1, where you could, like, just send one of your... Like, like, if you were on co-op, you could just have one guy hiding in a corner and then run the other guy in to, like, shoot as much as he could before he died, and then he'd respawn. But then in Halo 2, they put it in like so that, that, that if was either legit. of you dies on Legendary, it gives you game over. Right, that was a good change, but I remember a little kid me was like, oh, what the heck, Halo, that's bullshit. No, it's not bullshit. What I was using Right, yeah, you were being a cheap dick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What I used to do for Halo 1 is I would send my little brother in, stick him in the back with a stick, and become a mobile bomb. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. So at like, that point, if you're playing single player, you may as well just port in a second uh, player so you can use them as an anchor. The most common right. co-op strategy, sacrifice the little brother. <laughs> <laughs> it so was awkward being the middle child, because it was like, sometimes that's me, and sometimes I have to throw my brother under the bus. That was the little brother. I got sacrificed to spiders a lot. <laughs> Which spiders? There's no spiders in Halo, you per se. You play two crude dudes? No. Is that a game that you were hesitant to play but ended up loving? No. But there <laughs> is one game that comes to mind for that. Mm-hmm. And Go ahead. that would be Space Funeral. Space. This sounds interesting. a bizarre freeware uh, RPG maker game. Where, mm. uh, I my initial impression of it was it was like eh, it kind of seems weird, uh, but I ended up giving it a chance after a friend of ours mentioned it and spoke highly of it. Uh, and it only takes about thirty minutes to get through, but it's it's worth playing. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'd say. All you can defeat criminals by throwing 
Bibles at them. <laughs> Logical. That's what the FBI does, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Your party members are named Fred as as, and Lee. You know, somebody's course. not telling them to inject uh, sanitizer into their veins. Spam, random question. Go ahead. Uh -huh, I was going to say, have you already covered this on a on a previous episode? The uh, Nintendo saying, hey, for the X year anniversary of Mario, we're going to be doing Mario HD releases or whatever. Um, I think we covered that rumor. Did we, did we cover that rumor, Chris? Wait, that was what? at least 30 or 40 beers ago. Wait, what? I don't remember. Uh, so we might have. So, uh, if we didn't, yeah, Nintendo might have Mario remakes in the works. That I only be... I only mentioned because uh, on Twitter, Red had just said that he'd never played Sunshine, and I just that, yes, that blew that blew my mind. I'm uh, shaming him right now. Oh, I remake okay, him, well, not just re-release on a new console. They're fine in that case, they I, everybody. In that case, I won't tell you how few times I've played Sunshine, which is also zero. Oh, at Red and now at Spamoman, shame them both. Shame. Sunshine's <laughs> interesting because I think even the graphics of the game still hold up today. It's it's one it of those games where it's where Nintendo does a really good job of having that cartoonish vibe that Nintendo is known for. Putting it on an older console, which obviously in two thousand two was not a GameCube was not an old console, but like like you're saying, holds up to today, playing it today. It still looks pretty. It still is an environment that I enjoy playing around in. And if it were to re-release as itself, as just a Switch port, I would still enjoy the game. Now, it looks better than the, modern games. It right? is the Wind Waker. Like, doing, like they're so similar. Just, doing just, some, just some polishing. Just some polishing. Some cell shade yeah. polishing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's why, like, I was actually we talking in the uh, uh, two guys playing Zelda Discord earlier, and I think I said uh, Wind Waker HD is one of the best-looking games of all time. Because th that's what it is. It's just a little bit of polish, and boom, it's 1080p. It's good. It looks freaking amazing. Now, would you say that there are any, like, mechanical issues in Mario Sunshine that you would fix similar to how like Wind Waker HD had, you know, the qu the the quick sale the swift sale added or less triforce pieces, something that made that would make Sunshine a little more or less tedious, I guess. I wouldn't chain like I wouldn't streamline the game at all. I think the pacing is good. Um I mean maybe a few of the sections like some of the some of the platformer like non or the ones where you don't have flood maybe adjust those a little bit it's mostly like tweak the camera controls and fix flood's jetpacking because it does not handle well <laughs> after that, the first like yes. five seconds in the air so i would agree with that because like as soon as you hit flood's jetpack i feel like it doesn't have enough uh acceleration to really get you to a height that's satisfactory yeah well it is a hover pack not a um jet pack no you're right you're right it's not the rocket nozzle granted isn't it literally called jetpack yeah, it's the jet. No, or yeah, it's the jetpack. Or wait, no, is it the hover mode? Now you got me second guessing. There's some false advertising going on. To here. Google. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, somebody Today's look it up. The almighty search engine. Uh, while he's looking it up, um, I wasn't talking about like the upward momentum. Like, yeah, that would be nice to have some more lift, but you have the rocket pack. I was mostly talking mm. like the 
your mobility in the air. Because like if you're going in a straight shot, you're fine. You can pick up plenty of like horizontal speed. But, but if like, you're trying if you to go backwards, right? If you got to go backwards, you're gonna have you're a bad time. Change direction, yeah. Like it is called the hover just... nozzle. That okay? Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty fair label. It, it, the lift is goes. fair. It'd still be nice to have a little more lift, but it's, I mean, you could. It saved me in one or two spots. Do the backflip. You're good. Uh, I need to get a half foot higher. Okay. <laughs> Reach Mario. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Lyle, do you have any game that you were hesitant to pick up but ended up really liking? So I know, and I've done this a couple times in this podcast already, uh, referring back to this franchise, but it was actually not until very recently that I had picked up Doom 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and I had played the older Dooms, but it was years ago. Right. Um, and Doom 3 had kind of turned me off of the franchise. It wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a bad installment. It just didn't feel Doom. Um, That's a... definitely fair, because it's one of my favorite Doom games, but it's not really Doom. They, they, had, they had tried to incorporate story in Doom 3 with all the touchscreens and all the, the, the iPads and the whatever in the game. Yeah. Um, and and then they created a whole they created from the ground up a new like shadowing engine, a new like lighting, whatever to to make it, it, it whether or not what they intended it to be, it came out as a like jump scare, uh, survival horror, Resident Evil Seven ish kind of deal, and yeah. it's it it didn't feel like Doom One or Doom Two, but yeah, one of my one of my best friends. Um, recommended Doom 2016, and I was extremely hesitant. Um, and this was like, I don't know, maybe three three months ago when I picked it up because uh-huh. it was super cheap on PlayStation. And oh my god, it was a complete 180 from from Doom 3. I could not put it down. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing in the sense that it was like, and I definitely did not see myself getting back into Doom. I was like, okay, I've heard the name Doom. It's a household video game name. Uh, shoot demons, blood, gore, bim, bam, boom, whatever. Uh, picked it up. Like I said, could not put it down. And and I was like, oh my god, is, th- is, this, is this it? And, and my friend was like, no. Just h- hold my beer. Let me, let, me, let me show you this uh, let me show you this new trailer <laughs> that, that, that just came out. So he showed me Doom Eternal and I, I, oh my god, man. I am three trophies away from platinuming Doom Eternal right now. Like nice. I never, I never saw myself becoming such a big Doom fan, and oh my god, Doom Eternal and Doom 2016 have completely like changed the game, pun intended. Uh, right. And just I, I can't wait to see what the franchise has like for the future. Pun intended. Yeah, change the game because we're talking about games. It's a video game. But uh, we're on a video game podcast. We had a video game pun. I think we have to drink, which means I have to get another beer. Uh, which means I'm supposed to drink. Well. drink. Okay, so um, I'm um, gonna go get a drink while Kuro tells us about. And also when uh, Sean says we have to drink. I also yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated drinking game. Also, also when no one tells you to drink, you have to drink. Exactly. Yeah. If Jesus you're not Christ. drinking, you're probably just not doing it right. Get Wait, so if you're speaking, then you you're to... not doing it right. That is the only parlay. You either speak <laughs> yeah. or you drink. There is no in-between. Jesus yeah. Christ. These are the set of water and you die. <laughs> These are the laws of the pirates. 
Yar hard. All right, so uh, Crow, you're going to tell us about the game that you were hesitant to play, but ended up really liking, and I am going to put down my headset and get a beer, and I am going to come back, and I am not going to understand what part of the conversation we're in, but I'm going to jump in as though I do, and it may be <laughs> hilarious, and you may all be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So Same it's going to be a little experiment. Look forward to it, This Sean. is a new game that we apparently play on my podcast. So Crow, you have the floor. All right. Uh, the game that, like most games, I super enjoy. But, uh, I guess the most recent one would probably have to be the new Call of Duty. Like I've never been a big shooter guy, and I've like Lyle, I've never been a very big uh, battle royale guy, especially. Um, but I don't know something about this new Modern Warfare. They just they did a really good job. Like it's it's fun to play. The online doesn't suck. Guns feel good. The battle royale mode, you kind of feel like you have a chance. We've won, I think I've won three times, which is three more times than any other battle royale game I've ever played. Out of <laughs> it's a battle royale game, so I'm gonna guess it's Tetris 99. Definitely no uh, Modern Warfare. I've, oh. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, actually, you have uh, a few times. Um, sounds interesting. But uh, yeah, the yeah. the fact that the the um, battle royale mode Warzone. I mean, that's free, so if anything, that's at least worth being given a shot. But uh, PUBG put a bad taste in my mouth in battle royale, so I was very like reserved about playing this game. I don't want to just have another PUBG on my hand. And now I've got like close to 100 hours, almost complete third battle pass. So what would you say is, like, the feature that draws you to it the most? Um, I, honestly, I think it's just the ease of entry. Like, it's more user-friendly uh, to play this one. And funny enough, like, it's not the multiplayer that makes it easier to get into. It's the Battle Royale mode. Because I started out playing only the Battle Royale, uh, because you don't have to have special weapons. Like, you can get weapons in the game that let you compete with any custom loadout and that care like the xp that you get from that carries over to the multiplayer and vice versa so now like i mean we won a match earlier tonight uh i was playing before the podcast but yeah like i, I thought you were supposed to be drinking before the podcast i was oh, i drank oh, every time right. i got shot which was quite a bit <laughs> perfect <laughs> every time you get shot perfect that's why the that's why the sake started to taste good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I think it's worth. It, it did taste like a sock at first, um, <laughs> but Beautiful. I would say the war zone is at least worth a shot because it is free. Even like Lyle, are you back? I guess not. Apparently I'll, not. I'll <laughs> charm him into trying it out. I don't know. We'll see. It, so that that's uh, free on. Is that on Steam or something? Uh, it's through the Battle.net launcher. So the guys that make like Overwatch and WoW and Diablo. Oh, okay. And, uh, you can you can download Blizzard is in charge of uh, Call of Duty now. Activision. Uh, well, Blizzard owns Activision. Activision owns Infinity Ward, and Infinity Ward does. Whoa! Uh, I thought yeah. Activision owned Blizzard. Do I have they? that backwards? They might be. You're I could both be wrong. kind of correct. They merged. Activision sucks regardless. They're Activision it's just Blizzard a... now. But What's yeah, happening? My if world. You if you download the Blizzard launcher, uh, you can download the Warzone free. 
and just play that. If you decide to buy the game, all the XP that you racked up in Warzone immediately, like, retroactively carries over. Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 CR Campaign Remastered. No, that's... Oh, that's, that's the original? I mean, that's different. Uh, yeah, it's a remaster of the original Modern Warfare 2, but the new one is just called Modern Warfare. Oh, I didn't know they remastered the second Modern Warfare. That's the best yeah. in the franchise, and it plateaued ever since. Yeah, they did that. Uh, honestly, I actually like this new one better than Modern Warfare 2. Well, is it because they brought back Captain... What's his face? Captain Price? Yeah. No. I Actually, my favorite character is a new guy. His name's Alex. Hmm. Which is an operator in the game now, so that makes me extra. I will hold on to my skepticism until I give that new campaign a try. I have the game. Um... Play. But that's Wait. that's very interesting. What system? Uh, PC. Nice. And you you said you don't like battle royales, right? I don't like battle royales. I definitely will not play Warzone. <laughs> Have you tried it? No, but I've I've At played least try it. I'll definitely give it a shot. I'm not saying I don't like Warzone because obviously, but I'm we'll saying play with you. Like battle royales. We'll play with you. Sean. Well, I'm dragging you into this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Three of us can play. Sounds good if I can remember my Blizzard password from whenever the fuck I played WoW. I'll play if you buy it for me. <laughs> um, I, I'm not oh. trying to divert this conversation, uh, but I just am going to say this thought before later. I lose it. Sure. Um, the reason I had said that Dark Souls is a deceivingly difficult game is because of the... It's uh, not difficult. Well, no, 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 no that, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm, a, I'm, I'm No, yes, that's what I'm getting at. But it's deceptively difficult because it doesn't give you the option of uh, of a difficulty setting. So, like, if you if you physically see in the menu that something is more difficult, you're going to automatically think, "Oh, well, I don't want to get you know bent over a barrel and top the fifty states, so I'm going to pick easy." No, like if you just throw if you just throw yourself into the game and you just learn the mechanics, the game is not necessarily difficult. It's its default it's really is not. more difficult than the common standard, but I would but, definitely but say the, the common standard? standard is a little bit weak, right. Yeah, because I feel like adults. there's there's it's it's a very difficult thing to pin down standard because like would say, you have would anything we... from games where normal difficulty is like actually still pretty hard, and then you have like Kirby's Epic Yarn where you can't fucking die. <laughs> no, but see, but see, here's the thing. Like, we are, we as gamers are coddled in in modern day games. We have tutorials. We have maybe you are, but no, we have buttons everywhere, <laughs> everywhere in in all types of games. Call of Duty, everywhere, Assassin's Creed, know. Nintendo games. We're we're told everywhere. We have tutorial levels. Dark Souls just throws you in there. You pick your class. You go. You fight an enemy. You die. You learn. You keep going. It's not difficult. It's just a gaming style that we haven't had in yep. a very long time. That's how NES games and SNES games, and even some N64 games. That's how games used to be. It's mm -hmm. not something. It's not something new. It's how things used to be. And game devs realize this, and they're like, "Oh no, we need to. We need to guide players into." into our games we need to ease them into it we need to make sure that they enjoy it from the get-go like that's why people are like oh no stay away from dark souls it's hard like no it's not it's just not hand-holding us i think yeah. it totally handholds you i think there should be a difference between hard and challenge and that difference lies in where's the entertainment because cool. um 
when in you that get, case, like, it's all subjective. Right. Because, like, XCOM, for me, I love XCOM. I've got almost 400 hours into the game. I a third one now. Yeah, fuck? I know. I've got it. <laughs> I love it. Oh um, but, like, I beat XCOM 2 on Legend Iron Man because I'm a sadistic Props. fuck who hates myself, I guess. <laughs> but Jim. for me, it wasn't hard. It was just, it was very challenging. Like, there was a very strong learning curve. But I enjoyed it. Whereas Dark Souls, I, I have more fun hitting my head on a wall. I love, like, don't get me wrong, I love Sekiro. I like Bloodborne. Bloodborne is challenging. Dark Souls isn't fun for me. So I oh, would see that's a whole, that hard. That's a whole other rabbit hole that I could go down. So let me know when you, <laughs> say, well, you can talk about this <laughs> right. for hours. Yeah, so uh, somebody at the end of the episode remind me to name this episode Lyle Talks About Dark Souls. Hey, let me just go ahead and apologize. I just really like talking No, I've been having sorry. a fun time. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's well, a little weird having this many people on here, segue. but uh, I, I think we're having a lot of interesting conversation. So, yeah. Nick, it's your turn. Uh, what game have you been hesitant to that you ended up actually liking pretty well? Well, there's several. The... Uh, most premiere that comes to mind is Minecraft, but you know, everyone knows about Minecraft, so fuck that. <laughs> I think a more interesting title to talk about would actually be RimWorld. And if you want to talk about difficulty, I think that's an excellent game to talk about difficulty. It's one of those games where losing is fun. There's not very many games where you're managing a colony and then someone gets a little grumpy because they haven't had a luxurious Chipotle burrito in a week or so. So they walk over, they rip down a wall, and they punch an anti-grain warhead, which completely destroys your kitchen, the person who punched it, and some other stuff. And then a raid comes. The point is... Um, I don't know how to articulate this. Uh, RimWorld is a beautiful game. It's a difficult game, but not in the same way as Dark Souls. It's kind of the sort of game like... It's kind of like Spelunky, in that you kind of have to explore the game and the game world and see what ways that the game world can destroy you, and you kind of adapt to those. And depending on your circumstances, you kind of have to adapt on the fly, per se. For instance, uh, one of the most engaging times I had with a game was actually played on a difficulty mode called Randy Savage, where you have a random <laughs> oh, yeah. event spawner on the most difficult <laughs> difficulty setting that you are expected to possibly win at. There is a difficulty setting called Merciless, where the game's just like, fuck you, disclaimer, you're gonna fucking die. See how long you last. But uh, Savage is the most is the most difficult one that you're expected to win at. Savage is the cream of the crop. Oh, yes. And <laughs> playing that on Randy Savage, like sometimes you would have multiple raids back to back. Half your base would be on fire and more guys would show up to kill you. And even forgetting the difficulty, the core game itself is about creating a colony on some wayward planet. It feels a lot like Firefly, actually, if you guys have seen that show. It feels like Firefly, but colony mode. That is like the best thing you could say to advertise anything. Isn't it, though? <laughs> Firefly but, uh, is like the best anything. The best anything. Pretty fucking close. I don't know if what I'd say it's fuck, the best bro? I gotta have 95 to gigs to install this shit. 95 gigs install what? <laughs> 
Certainly not Rimworld. He's talking about something else. Modern Warfare. No, no. Some yeah, Modern Warfare apparently requires some <laughs> 95 gigs. Anyways, uh, today's second beer of the week is from 14er Brewing Company here in Colorado. It's Double Mount Massive IPA. Um, so, let's hope for... I, I think I've had this before, but I don't remember. Nice. Real hop forward. Uh, about like you expect an IPA. Not bad. Um... Like it, but to uh, wrap up, if you like simulators, if you like Sims, if you like dying horribly, if you like Dwarf Fortress, Rome World's a solid experience. If you can silence the inner scientist inside of you that screams at you, no, you cannot mine steel from the ground, you fucking heretic. (laughs) That's not how it works. Next, all right. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, what we got there, I guess. Uh, so we're going to go to our table topic this week, uh, which we've got a Whoa, fair... whoa, 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 whoa. We've what about actually... Chris? You just skipped Chris. Uh, Chris went. Yeah, he talked about whatever that game was. I listed off Space Funeral. So my issue yeah, is I'm that... I'm retarded. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> that I have with next. this is that you? I'm very rarely oh, hesitant to play a game on its face. I'm usually like, I want to play that, but I don't have enough time. Or <laughs> right. I'm like, I see something about the game, and then five minutes later I have it, and I'm already playing it. Uh, <laughs> it's, v- v- Or I just don't play the game, period. It's very yeah. rare that I have a game that I was initially hesitant to play that I end up liking. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, Chris's experience with XCOM, XCOM is, I played the tutorial, it crashed. I never played it again. <laughs> There's no like hesitation. XCOM. There's only do or do not. <laughs> right. XCOM has some uh, crashing issues, but I enjoyed it uh, despite that. I could rant. Mario Rabbids is the best XCOM. <laughs> I Actually, pretty require. much everything I've heard no. about Mario Plus Rabbids is that like it's like a really solid XCOM. So it's actually a really great game, and the best part about it, at least for me, a little fun fact, is that uh, what was it? Ubisoft went to Nintendo, created their own uh, assets, and was like, "Hey, here's what we've done. Would you guys care if we created this style of game?" And Miyamoto and uh, the rest of Nintendo were like wow, that's actually really fucking good. We've never said yes to anyone else that's done this before, so have at it, present it to us, and we'll give you the final go-ahead. And so you said Mario Rabbids? Yeah, R-A-B-B-I-D-S, as in, like, uh, Rayman, Raving Rabbids. Like the Rayman Rabbids, yeah. Firstly, yeah. them's, I, I mean, oh. I agree. Game is good. Also, them's is fighting words. XCOM is still better. <laughs> no, you're, 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 totally, you're totally right. XCOM is like genre defining defining and everything. But, uh, but like, I, I'm just trying to say that Mario Kingdom... Yeah, no, it's, it's, never it's even such a great this. game. Like, okay. they, they executed what it was flawlessly. And the DLC was amazing. The DLC was purely based around Donkey Kong, and it was great. I that kind actually kind of made me version. want it a little more because I fucking love Donkey Kong. And I was just like, if this was a, like a Donkey Kong plus Rabbids to begin with, I might have been more interested in the first <laughs> place. Because I just like Donkey Kong way better than I like Mario. I'll be honest. Uh, really? It's yeah. what I thought Tropical Freeze 
going to be. Really? I don't know huh. why, but that that's where my mind went. Oh, so it's a tactical turn-based thing. I don't know why. Why is Peach a giant tuber with giant teeth? So that's what they call rabbit, rabbit, which is the worst thing about this game. Essentially rabbits. Like, imagine just cartoon rabbits that came from a a, a Nintendo 64. Oh, those are supposed to be rabbits? Imagine if you cut off a tumorous cancer file... (laughs) And it came to life. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm seeing. It's a they're they're supposed to be like really stupid, dumb, unintelligent creatures, and uh, the game's humor is based around that. But it doesn't like it doesn't <laughs> stupid, take, dumb, intelligent creatures. That sounds like XCOM. It doesn't Honestly, take the, when I was it doesn't take the helm. The gameplay is XCOM. Yeah. So is it like guiding a bunch of scared school children through an alien invasion? Because that's what XCOM felt like. No, 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 no. You just, you'll probably have to watch a playthrough of it. Like, the story is not much. It's not, like, much to shake a stick at in terms of context or content, but, like. Final, would Final Fantasy Tactics be a good comparison? Mm. I've never played Tactics. I played, like, a very, very small amount of Final Fantasy Tactics, because, like, in the first tutorial chapter, it was, like,. Very ambiguous who was on your side and who was not, and I swear to God, my fucking ally killed my main guy, and I was like, no, I'm done. Just to, just to clarify, I wasn't being 100% serious when I said that Mario Rabbids was the best XCOM. Like, <laughs> I'm not I, I had figured. I just wanted to We're all judging. Partially. Yeah, no, it's like, it's, like if, it's like if XCOM had... A pet dog and the dog, <laughs> and then that was that was Mario Rabbids. Like it's still great. It's good for the grass. The grass like, being me and it's like I was taking care of my fish when I heard those fighting words, and I have one. I'm fish just imagining Lyle like get peed on by the, the rabbit dog because he's the grass. One does not fuck with my. Why fish are you imagining that first off? Speaking of getting peed on, should we move to the table topic? <laughs> we <What>? could, but <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can talk about hummingbird pooping patterns. Uh, first, I'm gonna rate this beer that I talked about a little bit ago. Like it's a, it's fine, but it's like it, it tastes like an IPA. It's hop forward, and that's what they all are. So I'm gonna give it an eight. It's like yeah, average. This John, I'm gonna ask you for a seventeen sometime. Gone up to a fourteen. You want a seventeen out of seventeen? Yes, sir. Yeah, one of these days when I like whenever I visit. Denver, and I get to be there to be on the podcast. I'm expecting you to treat me to something that is a 17 rating. You know what? I'll fucking do it. I get. I got a brewery right down the road that I know exactly what I would call a 17. I've had uh, plenty of their beers on the podcast before. Golden City Brewery. So if you're in the Colorado area, go fucking check them out. Spam. Have you ever have you ever been to the East Coast? I have not. Okay, I, I would recommend that you visit uh, Charleston, South Carolina. They've okay. uh, and and also lots of places in in North Carolina, probably like Asheville. They got a lot of a lot of really 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 good microbreweries that awesome. A lot of, a lot of my friends have raved about. Yeah, that's like pretty much one of the biggest selling points of staying in Colorado. Is like I've got the microbrewery capital of the world, and I've got fucking mountains. So I'm like, yep, Sean. That's all you need, capital right? Microbreweries? <laughs> you serious? Uh, yeah. So the only. The only state 
that has more microbreweries than Colorado is uh, Washington State. But because of the population density, Colorado has the most microbreweries per capita of any place in the world. That that doesn't surprise it. Washington is that state. Colorado does something new and innovative, and then they're like, all right, hold my beer. Right, yeah, because we're like, okay, weed's legal, and everybody's like, oh my god, move to Colorado, and then Washington's like, hey, it's legal here too, and they're like, (laughs) yeah, but Colorado did it first. And of course, us people that have been here the whole time, we're like, no, go to Washington, get out of here, you dicks! (laughs) Let me afford a house! Can you afford them to Washington? That's news to me. Oh, per... Per IGN's Twitter, as of 40 seconds ago, a Google Stadia Connect, and Connect being with a capital C, is coming Tuesday, April 28th, and promises we will, quote, see a few new games coming to Stadia, end quote. Oh my god, they're getting new games? They haven't done that since launch, have they? I don't Uh, think so. (laughs) Like, like, no, actually, that's like a legit question. I have no idea. (laughs) the The last I had heard that uh, some gaming companies were like pulling from Stadia because of the lack of interest. Okay, <laughs> so idea for you and you and Sean, Chris, you guys have a spinoff podcast to this. Call it a Drink Between Worlds, where you guys do it going to visit us in our states and try the local brews. <laughs> Should be able to do that after the global pandemic. Well, yeah, obviously not. Right right now. Now. <laughs> but yeah, why not? Yeah, there's an idea for you. Wait, what's the tabletop topic, anyways? We oh yeah, <laughs> so uh, we were we Meander. were transferring into into tabletop. Transfer because yeah, every sure. other podcast in the world, they would have been like, "Okay, let's navigate back to the topic now." But on our podcast, Boom. we go off on tangents. We go down the <laughs> rabbit hole. We fuck the rabbit hole a couple of times. We get little and rabbit hole babies, and then we fuck those rabbit holes. There's well, all sorts of rabbit hole incest. In, in and the tabletop dick week. In our defense, you did say this was the largest group of people you had conglomerated for this podcast. This is, yeah. We've uh, we've had four before one time. Uh, I think Crow was one of those four. It was you and Sebastian from uh, uh, another podcast. Yeah, what's his his podcast called? Hidden Pixels. Pixels. Yeah, Uh, so that's a fun little podcast. So check out Sebastian. Sebastian, if you're listening, get on my podcast again. We have to do our... Revenge thing. I actually have oh, a yeah. Budweiser in my fridge as my punishment for losing the E3, e, the E3 bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with Budweiser? You bought Budweiser? What? No, my father-in-law <laughs> gave it to me for my birthday in a six-pack that he just like was like, okay, yeah, I have all this extra beer in my fridge. Here's six different what's... random beers. And I was like, okay, whatever. What was the <laughs> and I was the like, longest oh, podcast? I know I was there for that one as well. What was the one we went the longest? Um, I feel like we're gonna break that. It <laughs> might have been. And that's true. We might. Uh, it might have been the the after E three one where we wrapped up all of the E three news, maybe, and then went through our regular table topic and a video game topic. I, I we I don't know. We went off on a tangent for like a half an hour so. with your brother Josh. Maybe. Possible. I don't know. Um, we've we've had quite We're a few. 
because generally we're right about 90 minutes, but sometimes we're just like, whoops, it's three hours, what do we do? <laughs> Drink a beer, that's what we do. So we are <laughs> Sounds good, tabletop topic. Now. Okay, so let's get into our table topic. Um, the table topic I think is going to be very interesting because we have a large swath of people with different tabletop experience levels. So our table topic this week is what are the biggest turnoffs keeping new players from going into tabletop RPGs, whether that means the first time or even like they've played maybe some D&D here and there, but they don't really want to get into it. Why are they not getting into it? Why are they not going there? Uh, so I was thinking this might be an interesting one to ask uh, Lyle or Crow first, because uh, you guys have less experience where uh, Nick, Chris, and I have been being playing D&D actively for over a decade. Crow, you want to take the helm on this one? I didn't pay attention. What was the question again? <laughs> Shut up and drink. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I'll, I'll, right. I'll drink. I'll While drink he drinks, I'll, 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 I'll start then. Um, Should I get another beer? So, yes, always so get another beer. I haven't had much right, much to say uh, or much to do with very many tabletops, actually. And I actually just recently started my very first D&D campaign, of which... Uh, we've only had, I think, one session in the past three weeks, maybe a month. Um, only um, because of the, only because of the, like, everyone's track. Av- availability. Um, that does make that a little bit trickier. Of, but that, like, that aside, it, like, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, like, coming up with the characters and, um, all the abilities and whatnot. Uh, but in terms of other tabletop games, um, uh, like, my ex-wife introduced me to Settlers of Catan for the first time, and like our first game of that, it was Star Trek themed. Uh, our first game of, of that, like I beat her twice in a row, um, and I I'm sure it was of pure luck, but like I don't really have much tabletop experience. Uh, but what really turns me off of of like coming into a new tabletop sort of experience is like if if I look at it and and this is totally judging a book by its cover, but if there's like so much that goes into it, like convolution over convolution, like I, I, like I know there's a lot that goes into D and D, but at least it, at least with that, you have a lot of people that um, can go through it with you, or at least are going to be experiencing the same exact things as you are as you go, uh, and at the same time. But if like if I have a group of people over at my house and we're and we're playing a board game for the first time and it's supposed to take like three hours i'm sorry man like i'm gonna check out after like the first 30 to 45 minutes um but it it really just depends like it it also has to have a unique twist so like i played pandemic for the first time with my ex-wife and that was a really fucking fun game uh pardon my french i didn't know if we were allowed to curse on this or not i think i've already said fuck like you've done it many times have I done it? did mention at uh, one yeah, point I so. that I oh. dropped an F-bomb on the first episode, and that's when we decided that was okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, anyway. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was funny. We were I recording, think... and I was, like, kind of thinking about that before the podcast, but I didn't actually talk to Chris about it. I was I like, think... maybe we should keep it a PG rating so we get a wider audience. I don't know. I, I don't know how to set up a podcast. I mean, actually, I'm just some noob with a microphone. Right? At that point, <laughs> yeah. we didn't actually even own a microphone. So I, I was like, fairness, whatever. And then, uh, yeah, like ten minutes in, Chris said, "Fuck it." I was like, "Okay, all bets are off." I think they, I think 
Hick and Red did the same thing on Busted Buttons. They like on the first episode, <laughs> Hicks was like, "Fuck, wait, shit, are we allowed to curse on this?" <laughs> Apparently, yeah, yeah. Check out Busted Buttons. They're available on most of your uh, podcast things. And Let's they haven't had any guests yet. There's been. all of us here. They haven't been on this show, right? Yeah, I keep hitting them up. I've been like hitting them up since like I started the podcast. I'm like, I was gonna say, I don't, I don't want to go to them and like impose on something that they're oh, trying yeah, to no. do as you know, as friends. I just but. want to start a fight. <laughs> this is a podcast war now. I'm calling okay. you two. Well, our podcast is cooler than busted buttons. Long story short, if if it doesn't have like a theme that I'm particularly interested in, or if it doesn't have like straightforward rules or something that's not going to last, you know, like four or five hours, like that's that's what's really going to turn me off of, right. of a tabletop game. So does this largely come back to just overcomplication in tabletop? Not necessarily, like, as long as it's easy to understand, if it has a lot to, to, to go with, then, it, like, if I can follow it, then great. But if it's just, if it's a lot to keep track of at once, then then that's probably what's going to shy me away. But if, uh-huh. if I can learn something over a course, like, I don't know, over a short period of time and, and, and I'm able to keep track of it. I'm one of those people that, like, when I was younger... My mom told me to do three things, and I I was able to do the first thing really really well. But then I completely forgot how to like I forgot to do the second things, and she the second and third thing, and she came to me and was like, "Hey, how are those other things?" And I'm like, eh, "I forgot to do them." That's the kind of uh-huh. person I am. Right. ADHD. <laughs> uh, Crow, what's your take on this topic? Because uh, you've done a little bit of tabletop here and there. Uh, but what has kept little? you from really doing much? And has is there anything specific that kept you from doing it for a while? Because I remember when we first got you on, you were like, yeah, I think I played D&D once, and we had yeah. a conversation about Yu-Gi-Oh! instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, first, before I go on that tangent, I just, this is a brief little aside. Um, I was going through all of the past Podbeans, checking the timestamps to see how long they are. Uh, I forgot that you titled the 40th episode just Crow's Sack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, even remember why. I don't anymore. know the context. Uh, it was like 15 so, weeks ago. How should some, I know? Something about games of the decade. Anyway, um, I've definitely had a lot more experience when it comes to tabletops <laughs> then. Um, okay. I'm currently learning how to DM. It's a slow going oh. process. But Lyle hit most of it. Like, the biggest thing that is, like, a barrier to people, at least what it was for me, uh, is just the overwhelming amount of stuff. Like, the overwhelming unknown. You know? Like, there's so many different things you don't know and so many things you got to learn. Like, when I go into stuff, I want to be armed with knowledge. So before I played my first session of of D&D... I poured over the player's manual for, like, weeks, just learning all kinds of stuff. Going to find out later, like, none of that is useful. I mean, it's useful <laughs> now because I'm becoming a DM, but before then, like, all I needed to know was how does a fighter fight? <laughs> and that's right, all, yeah. all that matters. You need to know your character and basically what to do in situations. And, right. yeah, that's this kind of, yeah. Games, like, they can be fun, but they're usually not as fun when you don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, So it's a little intimidating at first. But, I mean, that being said, you know, I've I've had a couple of sessions since then. Uh, I'm 
learning how to DM. My first session is going to be Curse of Strahd, which is a bad idea, but... Oh, uh, well, fuck it, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit, you just use the fucking adjustment. Sometimes all you gotta do is just dive headlong into it and figure it out as you go along. Sweet. Alright, now I'm gonna actually turn this over to uh, Nick and or Chris, because uh, you guys actually have a lot more DMing experience and a lot more tabletopping experience, so I kind of want to... Uh, with their answers in mind, is there anything specific that they've said that you have noticed in players that were hesitant to come in? And it, was there ever a time that you were hesitant also? Kind of relate this all back. And how do you deal with that as a DM? I was going to say, or, I also wanted to throw in a like little one on top of what would be ahead. your advice for a first time? Just Do you want to take this first, Nick? Well, I was going to say, don't worry, me and Chris will certainly interrupt each other plenty of times, so <laughs> we'll go at the same time, more or less. Uh, that good. said, I'll uh, try to start us off here. So, an entry player, um, let's see, we've had some like starting players who have been successful. We've had some starting players who have not been so successful. Uh, so, Chris, think of like Ben, like he was a very successful starting player, versus Moose, who was unsuccessful and in this go ahead i i'd say that's the case in that one player was better able to deal with certain things that happened inside the group inside what would you say those certain things are uh which was uh the expectation of character death and bad things expectation of character, character death uh which is more typical of our group than I think it is of some other groups. So, in that case, misplaced expectations. Yeah. So, the way I was going to answer this was dragging myself back to 10-year-old Chris back when he got his first RPG books, and 11-year-old Chris back when he got D&D 3.5, and remembering uh, trying to figure out the complexity of those games and getting introduced to a game store D&D group that really didn't want anything to do with me and how a lot of those early experiences were pretty bad, uh, which I imagine would turn off somebody who wasn't as prone to obsessing over these games as I was. Uh, but it is primarily a group experience, which means that having a bad experience with a group can easily turn someone off the medium in general. Yeah, I think the biggest issue when someone is first trying to essentially break into the genre is, am I cool enough to be welcomed back to this group? And so oftentimes you'll see new players doing, frankly, erratic things to sort of make a character of themselves, make something memorable, 
and be friendly or interesting so that people will have them call back. And some people really struggle with this, like especially introverts, which is interesting because, you know, introverts are the sort of people who would be drawn to these sort of games. You're like, Oh yeah, you know, RPGs and stuff. But then you get into that group setting and you're like, shit, how am I going to be memorable? How am I going to be interesting so that these people actually want to play with me? And I think that can be a challenge to be overcome. May I add something? Absolutely. So I will find, or I'll say with the first D&D group that I'm a part of, um, I, well, I'll say at least for the character that I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to project. So I wanted that to be part of the experience that I created for myself. Um, and obviously I wanted it, it, it was amongst a group of people that I, I knew personally and that, you know, I knew wouldn't be like, all right, this guy's stupid. Let's just, we'll, we'll get him out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't necessarily care whether or not my character meshed with the others because I was going to go by the beat of my own drum. I didn't, I, I knew that my personality as a person like went well with the other people that I was playing with, but my character, I wanted to, go against the grain. I didn't really care. Um, so if I had that option to to kind of have more options to to do whatever I pleased versus, you know, be funneled into what I was supposed to do or what I was supposed to do with the group, um, allowed me to feel more engrossed, more more involved, ironically. Um, right. And more... You have to be engrossed with the game, but in a tangential way that is appealing to both you and the people you're playing with. Right. And I, and like, it's hard. It's hard in that sense because I don't necessarily feel like the way that I want my character to go doesn't necessarily line up with the other characters, which could be, which could come across as abrasive. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can call it abrasive, but really, in my experience, it's just presented interesting things. For instance, in my game right now, Chris is going in a direction that is contrary to what a few other people are, the direction a few other people are going in. And that's going to present, you know, challenges down the line or potential opportunities. And that's all relationships to be explored. And see, that's I, I would agree with that because, like, I'm not saying that my character is like an asshole to be an asshole. I'm saying that, like, if if you guys like, if if the other characters are predictably going to go through this cave because the DM said that there's potentially treasure down there, like, my character doesn't care for treasure. That's part of his personality. He's in search of something else. So, like, I don't want to go down that cave. You guys go down there. All that sounds like here. a systemic thing and not a tabletop thing but i'm weird so no that makes sense that makes sense it's like i guess uh, what would your character in that instance be interested in pursuing so i hate to go off on like D &D tangents but (laughs) my character specifically try to boil it down to like mechanics and not to telling us all about your not like the backstory (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So like my my character doesn't care about tangible wealth. But so like knowledge or something that like like learning something that hasn't necessarily been discovered in the world. How does your aqu- character acquire what they seek? 
uh, asking questions and digging into personalities. And how does that tangentially line up with objectives that could be shared with the rest of these? I want to smash its face with my club approach. It might not. This is kind of an interesting thing. I'm going to bring up a point that Chris and I talked about a little bit on a podcast a little while ago. Um, that there's kind of an unwritten rule in tabletops that the player characters all have to have some reason to work together. And it's not necessarily so like, a, like 100% of the time you always have to have the same goal. But uh, we were actually talking about evil characters at the time and how I was playing an evil necromancer and my goals weren't absolutely far for like literally my goals were world domination i'm just like i am using people that i meet as puppets i'm gonna kill whoever i need to i'm gonna you know use everybody i can as pawns and try and amass power and status and get myself to where i want to be and that as an evil character was still something that i could kind of put into a perspective where I was working with a party of various aligned characters, including a lawful good paladin. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and, uh, yeah, actually, that was one of the things I was most afraid of, was I, I actually had several plans for when we inevitably... I feel like inevitably, if we had played that campaign much longer, we probably eventually would have parted ways. And I was like, okay, I, eventually I may part ways with you, and that's okay. But for the but time being, we are in a party, those, like, and because and we are in a party, we have to work together for the current common goal. Because there's a lot of goals on the way to becoming a necromancer who rules the universe, right? There's, there's, there's steps I have to take. And so if I can line those up with the other player characters' uh, righteous uh, saving the universe plans or whatever... Uh, then I'll, you know, kind of take advantage of that. Uh, so you so can't that's... save the universe if you don't control it. That, mm. makes, that makes a lot of sense because, like, when... <clears throat> so, like, my character is seeking knowledge for the sake of having knowledge and finding something that the the being that I've, like, pledged myself to doesn't know yet. He's, he doesn't claim to be all-knowing, but he I, I have some, like, bargain with him. But I can I could you utilize these other characters that are like ne'er do wells and just doing good for the sake of doing good to potentially discover something. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I can I can I can utilize that. By the way, I just want to insert a little thing here. This is just really fun when I remembered. Uh, this is this is purely just a stupid thing that I thought of. my roommate made a character years and years ago uh, who is a I want to say a lawful neutral paladin. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was named Paladad. His entire <laughs> stick was that he had a lawful obligation to tell dad jokes at every opportunity. <laughs> that is one that of the best things character. I've ever heard. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, not very actionable past, like, three sessions, but... Uh, <laughs> I think that... I think that's actually how long that campaign lasted. <laughs> uh, real quick, I'm going to insert a fourth beer of the week, uh, <laughs> which is uh, not a beer, it's a whiskey. 
Um, but this is actually from one of my little local distillers that, uh, uh, so anybody listening in Colorado, if you want good Irish whiskey, it's not Irish whiskey, it's American whiskey, but it's made with, uh, a lot of Irish inspiration. Uh, this is from Talnua Distillery in Arvada, Colorado. Uh, they are the only, um, single pot still, uh, whiskey maker outside of ireland uh they use a lot of these traditional kind of techniques to make their whiskey and this is the best fucking whiskey i've ever had this shit is a 17 for you crow i'll wow. have a little bit of this for you when you get to colorado i do like i like irish cream so if not awesome. someone might like whiskey <laughs> i gotta catch back up on these twitter conversations um, how long have we been going? I kind of checked out there because I went through Here, and I was usually looking I record the, it. I was uh, we've been going podcasts. about an hour and fifty minutes. Okay. Fifty like okay. five zero. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We're still a little ways out. The longest podcast was uh, episode thirty, uh, which this shouldn't surprise anyone because it was titled "Better Than Byleth, So. Sean probably spent half the podcast <laughs> bitching about Byleth. <laughs> but, I did! Know, female female Byleth are bust. Two hours Yeah, and pretty much. Minutes. Like, the female so Byleth like is like, it is not fair how much Bio. better the female Byleth is than the male Byleth. The male Byleth so is so designed. fucking boring. Sedimentary yeah. rocks formed by living organisms or their remains? What? Is that a, is that a Kotaku article? What? No, it's, it's fucking science, apparently. Biolith? By, by it, it's a sedimentary rock formed by organisms. Oh. By left. Oh, -E -E oh, there you go. By is the name I, I see of the, I see the, the protagonist of the newest Fire Emblem game, which, also, is, in my opinion, is the second worst Fire Emblem game I've ever played. But wow, we're really not going to that. Take. I've, I haven't heard that yet. Uh, yeah, actually, like, I'm a longtime Fire Emblem fan, and, like, first of all, it's really easy, which I could get beyond if it wasn't for the fact that, like, the main character, Byleth, is fucking worthless. I have a whole podcast on that, which is apparently <laughs> our longest podcast ever. So you can go check that out. All right, but, well, yeah, we it's like we just, jump again down that rabbit hole. Right, yeah, just absolutely terrible character. Uh, nothing to like about it, because she doesn't fucking talk. <laughs> so <laughs> do you have a problem with... Uh with non-speaking protagonists we, we actually cover that oh, on our I podcast no, because Link do. doesn't talk, but Link is still likable. Byleth so, doesn't talk, and the game is worse because of it. But yeah, Link actually, is and, yeah, you. And, and, he and is basically silent. my overall thing of thing. it is, like, I feel like there's a little too much, like, Hogwarts high school musical kind of drama going oh, on. I'm not the only I'm one who like, thought that. Okay. I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not my thing. And when I get a Fire Emblem game, I'm like, I want all of this crazy-ass political warfare in my face, right? That's what I want out political of Fire warfare, Emblem. you say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so then, so we don't jump down that ho rabbit hole. Let me, I, yeah, yeah. So, don't get me started. So that, that, that's so, as far as we're going to go down there. So is, is there anybody, does anybody have a last... Uh, thing they want to say on the table topic, uh, which is biggest turnoffs for new players entering a tabletop RPG. Uh, I still have a lot of things I want to say about that, but a lot yeah. of people All right, are then let's go. Go for, it. Chris. go for it. 
So Start a lot shooting, of people Chris. are turned off because they think it's going to be a huge investment. They're scared to start on something that might take up several Every hours Sunday. of their time, uh, potentially weeks or months or years of their life, and not really enjoy it. They're scared that they're going to have to learn like a huge amount of rules, which is the case for some games, not all games. Hashtag not all games. That's kind of um, an interesting point, because, yeah, when you get the... When you're first going into a tabletop RPG, I feel like people are, like... The the parallels that they make are like, oh, yeah, it's like... Imagine a world like, oh, I don't know, uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that. And you're like, like, hold on, I have to go on like a year-long quest across mountains and forests and plains and fight dragons? and, and Deal it's with like, a bunch of fantasy battles. Yeah, maybe you have to do that. But in reality, you might have to do that and you might have like... There are one-shot campaigns prepared that are like, okay, yeah, if you got character after you create the characters, you've got maybe an hour to four hours of gameplay, and then the campaign is over. Uh, you know, th there's there's a very large swath of D and D that uh, <laughs> isn't Lord of the Rings tier epic, right? It doesn't have to be that big to still be fun. Oh, screw Lord of the Rings epic. I was gonna it's say, like, go speaking, ahead. Lon. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I do this all the time. Um, <laughs> um, see, Lord of the Rings seems far less epic than than D and D. Like, I I love Lord of the Rings, and I can follow but everything. I can follow everything and and understand everything that's going on and everywhere that everyone comes from. And like, I've read the books. Like, I don't I don't go online and read forums and shit. But like. It just doesn't seem nearly as large or expansive as D and D does, and D and D seems far more intimidating. That's interesting, I, actually, because yeah. what do you mean by D and D? Because why does D and D seem larger than Lord of the Rings? So, so when I see, like, when I was researching my character for D and D, I see all these races, all these jobs, all these, all these locations, all these like abilities for for creatures and things and i'm just like su supremely overwhelmed by just anything and everything and all the combinations of that things uh, can be. And you have a problem sir I, I mean i have plenty doesn't have a name that i'm aware of but basically you're trying to encompass the entirety of the world in your head that's not the point the point is to encompass yourself in your head and then interact with the rest of it in ways that you will not be able to predict. You that cannot sounds like life in general. Exactly. <laughs> it's basically life, but a more fantastical version where you have a different experience that is both more interesting it's, and it's life more empowering. Exactly. Is an infinite game. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's like a bad thing in any like capacity i'm just saying it's just far more intimidating indeed i can see how you can kind of get that in your head but it's kind of interesting to see as a person who's played DD for a long time how different it is from reality because it's like that perception is maybe to an extent in some campaigns that's true you have to know like because i've played in large grand campaigns where like if you don't pay attention to like the little details like 
which countries trade cereal along their trade routes with the other countries, what's going to happen next, right? And I've played in, uh, but it's, it's, there's like two sides of this D&D coin, where like you can also have these kind of silly, lighthearted campaigns where it's like, okay, you haven't been paying attention to the story, whatever. You're in the moment, and the moment is all that matters. You know, what you're doing on this little adventure, this little slice of the story, is all that matters right now. And it's it's kind of like the difference between watching, like, uh, 900 episodes of One Piece and watching a movie. 900? Right? Shit, I'm behind. Of course you go. There's 1100 plus One Piece. But, yeah, no, I get oh, your there's point. Not. Yeah, yeah. There's there's only I think there's 1100. So. I, think it's, I think it's about 900. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm Anyways, talking about the anime. One of the story is, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense, though. Like, I, I, I get that. I'm trying to take it all at once versus, you know, bit by bit. 929. The idea I would want to get in a new player's head, if I wanted to make them feel more comfortable, is that all you need to do to start playing D&D is sit down at this table and roll these dice, and in about 15 minutes you can have this character. And I tend to lean towards systems that have that quick prep time and that immediate, oh, look, you're already playing, so that people can get the weight of those expectations out of the way early. Yes. It's because really funny that you your character that, development like, doesn't happen in the first 15 minutes. Your character, character development, development is what the game's, game's about. about. I showed I up showed my, to, my, the to the first and and only D and D session like a little like overly a prepared because I got really I got into really like character, character development, development and like the backstory, backstory and, uh, and uh, like I said I said I said a thing I did an action and my my DM was instantly like I wish you would have told me that before the campaign I was like oh well shit goofy DM. Well, I mean, he, he, seemed like, he seemed like he really, really knew what was going on. And, like, we had prepared before we had formed a group, like, who was going to be a part of it. And they knew that it was my first time. And But, I mean, I, I digress. Well, okay. What part of your um, backstory, I think you said, was the DM taking issue with? Just the fact that when we entered our first environment that I already knew, or that I claimed that I had already knew of someone that was in the environment and that had interacted with them in a way that I was familiar with that they weren't. Interesting. As a DM, I would have been like, shit, I didn't know about this. So you didn't actually know this person. So there's someone else, but, uh, can you give us more details and why that was more problematic? Yeah. I think part of it has to do with like, it's in large part, uh, like the DM JPC experience for the players. And yeah, having a good DM is a make it or break, especially for the first campaign. It is a make it or break it for Paramount. everyone, uh, because while it is while the it player's, player's story, story. Could or I, the guy. Sorry, I, I actually need to interrupt you, Crow. Uh, no, go for it, uh, Sean. You're uh, you've got some echo on your end, so I've had to mute you on my end. Uh, 
I don't even think say, I've been hearing echo with everyone. Oh, We're now hearing echo with you as of two minutes ago, Sean. Yeah. There it is. Okay, we're good now. Yay! Okay, I can unmute him. Phones, because uh, uh, my wife actually had a little bit of something that she wanted to say. Yes, you uh, know. So, oh, uh, so I'll actually pass over my headset, uh, So, because I think she's probably got a little different perspective than any of us on this topic as well. I might bring my fiancé as well, actually. Hello. Hello. Hi. So, I liked D&D when I first started. Um, but... but then I kind of lost track because I think of the way that Sean and the guys play because they jump from campaign to campaign to campaign to campaign to campaign. To be fair, those goose weird quirk of our group, and most <laughs> groups don't do that. Yeah, but that's bad. With yeah. my husband's D and D ADHD really messes with my ADHD. So would you be able to give an example of the way that... So each week a different game, April? Basically is kind of how they do it, yeah. Oh, so right. I, get, I get invested in a certain character or genre, like, oh yeah, we're going to do this thing with the zombies and we're attacking this place and awesome, I really like that. And next week, I have to create a whole new fucking, fucking character. My kids. That's don't obnoxious. I, I don't have to. Yes, it was terrible. I hated it. I really did. We've That's actually why me and Chris have, have a like, rule where we host for a month at a time. Stop defending yourself. And then, I'm just defending ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I'm just Sean, saying, this is a weird we're on our side. You're not the only one. Never tell someone to stop defending themselves. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like been like, well, dude, why are I? Why am I creating a new character every week? And we've had players come in and drop out because of that. Mm -hmm. And we've had uh, uh, one of our our latest player to join our group has like stuck with us, but he has voiced a handful of. He's he's like rar. I I could see that. <laughs> but um, that is one thing that really pissed me off. Another thing is. I'm not good at math, and I hated that I had to do math. Calculators. Yes, <laughs> but I hate math to the point of where I just don't even want to think about numbers, which really sucks because my kid is gifted and talented, especially in math. Mm. But anyways, I digress. Those are my two pet peeves about D&D. <laughs> it's really hard. You digress, and I digress. Lord knows I've oh, digressed it's, enough. It's a drink. This, I, drink. this might as uh, well be called Dungeons and Digressions. <laughs> What's the science degree acronym? It's but anyways. AD and HD. No. So, uh, ooh, aside to Nick and uh, Chris, how would you deal with a player if you had known this? Because actually, Chris was probably one of the people that DM'd for. Yes, he is one of the people, but mo mainly it was it was it was it was it was it was Owen 
Owen was the DMer, and one week we had little figurines, and then we did the figurines, and then the figurines came back, and then we had little like um he would map out the stuff, and then he wouldn't map out the stuff. And the- all right, so this is interesting because like my fiance was a successful new recruit to a game because we didn't do the shit that April was complaining <laughs> about. She also doesn't like math, but, you know, she made it work because she could crump things with her base sword. Um, See, and I would just, I I ended up just passing things off to Sean or one of the other guys because I was like, do this. And then it it. takes it out of your hands, which makes you less involved, which is a death spiral of non-involvement. Yes. But now I'm on on the side of it and I can make funny little quips like I do with this endeavor of like please don't make that sexual joke please no promises sexual jokes are half the fun of having a podcast right i'm naked right now more like three quarters Mine shoes. <laughs> so three quarters so i better be listening to your podcast as the person who's played in played in and ran in both of these groups uh I need an outlet for my AD and HD. <laughs> you are a system slut? I'm saying that because I don't know if that's been mentioned here. I don't think that it's been said in exactly those words, but yeah. You are a system <laughs> slut, Chris. We actually have a segment oh, of the podcast oh my normally where Chris brings a thing, and he brings a random RPG book from his enormous oh ass collection and shows it to me, and, I, and we read it together. And we unfortunately can't do that because we're not in person here. But uh, that is that is a normal thing for our. Oh, he's been doing that to us over Discord. Don't you worry. What, <laughs> one more thing, they don't even keep it like one year, one week. It was superheroes. Then it was it was plague. Then it was zombies. Then it was a normal D and D campaign with like you know the bard and the 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 paladin and la 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 la. Normal is it? See, April, what you need to do is yell at these people to be consistent. Damn it. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Also, it means resolving an arc. I already had my white claws. But that means that you have to rate your white claws on a scale of three to seventeen. I've never had white claws before. Um, Liar. no, for reals, I don't... Pretend you, you to... did and rate it. <laughs> you don't have to... First flavor, it mango, had... strawberry, pineapple. Um, I had raspberry. raspberry. That sounds too fake to be a, a, it's, a it's white claw. It's totally real. It's real. I don't even know what a white claw is, but I'm sure I'd give it a 17 because it's booze. <laughs> it's an alcoholic no! seltzer water, and they're delicious. They're delicious, and I didn't know how. Like after the second one, I'm like, "Whoa, this really freaking hit me." Yeah, but you're a lightweight, so what do you know? I am okay. <laughs> I was raised Mormon, so I don't really drink. Wait, we you were raised Mormon? Giving at her parents' house one time, and it was like, it like literally, her aunt told me the hard stuff is in the garage, <laughs> and I went out to the garage, and there was fucking Sprite. I think she just banged on our wall. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> right, fucking what? Stuff, according to Mormon. 
Sprite is the hard stuff, according It's to got caffeine. Caffeine or drugs? Mm. No, yeah, it doesn't man, even like, have caffeine. Is caffeine Scandalous. <laughs> Scandalous. Uh, we should probably get off this topic before we go down to a bad place. I'm gonna say, our doors are gonna get kicked down talking about, dare I say it, the Mountain Dew bottle I have? Jeez. Oof. I am no longer Mormon. But anyway, I would probably give it a 12. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, so April had trouble getting into D&D because Mr. Sean and or Chris and or other kept switching the damn campaign every other week, thus breaking continuity, which means they didn't get to the real reasons that most people struggle getting into tabletop gaming. Yeah, that's an interesting kind of a thing, because uh, I never really thought about that specifically for a new player. Because Dude, I think about that as an old player. Of, but that's <laughs> sort of how I was raised into D&D, is that, because first of all, my brother, uh, Josh, who's been on the camp, or on the podcast once or twice, um, he's kind of got the DM style of fly by the seat of his pants, and whenever he has an idea that's for a campaign, company. he's just like, okay, guys, we're going to do this. And that has varied wildly from, like, uh, literally he has a campaign he calls Elves in Space. Uh, wherein <laughs> it's like a Star Wars-level technology, but with all the D&D races as though they had advanced several thousand years into the future. Uh, and it's, it's it's pretty fun, and you That's know he's cool. got all these kinds of things. He's got several traditional campaigns, and he kind of runs most of them into a contiguous world uh, to help with the world building. And so it all happens in the same world. And also, I was raised in a large group that had probably uh, thirty to forty players. So Jesus. obviously, you can't run one game with that. So our group would run four, five, six games simultaneously on D&D night. And so depending on who was there, I'd be like, okay, I'll run in your campaign, I'll run in your campaign, whatever. Sometimes we're playing D&D, sometimes we're playing World of Darkness, sometimes we're playing Hero System. So that's kind of where I am coming from. This is just how I was raised into tabletop. I am was With this level of uh, uh, TTRPG ADHD. I didn't get into it until college, actually. Yeah, I remember. I think we played once or twice with you in high school, but you didn't. Play I much wouldn't consider those real sessions because I was like, "I'm here. I have a wizard who can do a few things, and there's no continuity." So right, Kyle rapes the bartender. That's all you know, right? <laughs> I wasn't there for that one, but uh, that's. I think that sums it up. Regardless, I think, I think <laughs> yeah. you were there for like half of one session. No, the only I session I remember, so. there was an airship. Um, yeah, I blew open the bottom. There was a Minotaur. Yeah, that was pretty much it. All right, so that brings us, I believe, to the end of the podcast. Because uh, I, I think we've mostly talked our fill about this. If anybody has a final word to get in, uh, we can get it in now. Does anybody have a final word? Yes. Half-Life Alex is amazing. Okay, <laughs> that is the final word. All right. it's uh, No, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> About this topic in particular, uh, I gotta agree that having a consistent game or small subset of games does help investment as a player by a huge margin. I'm pretty mm -hmm. fortunate to have an outlet for my system sluttiness, as Nick calls it. 
uh, yeah. and also be able to play and run consistent games. It also yeah, so... go ahead. It also helps to have like like I was saying before, the DM makes or breaks it. Um, having one that doesn't like get on your case if you introduce something new instead of being like you shouldn't you can't say that this is my story you know, having someone that flexes oof. around it goes with the flow big oof on that actually yeah, a dm saying this is my have... story is a bad dm yeah yeah that's a bad that. dm yeah, like, because kind of the story is the bit. story made by the players. It's yeah, not the no, game right. story. You're hosting a game to see what the people do. I, I right. hope that that's not what I was implying earlier when I was talking about it. That's not how my DM. Oh, okay. okay, cool. Yeah, um, no, he's he was very open to everything that he was that was going on. I guess he was just maybe blindsided by what I by what I was saying. That's fair. That's I, fair because as a DM, I've had that issue where I've just been really like, I did not see that coming. I have no preparation for whatever is coming next for the rest of the session. Right? Yeah. I've been in that situation, and it's it's a little awkward. But at the same time, I feel like the I I feel like you shouldn't say that as a DM. You should just as and and maybe that's a hard thing to do. I'm not really sure. But as a DM, I try to just kind of keep my cool and be like, okay. Whatever the players are doing, I'm rolling with the punches because, as a DM, my perspective on it is it's not my story. This is the player's story, and I am here to present it so that they can act it out. I've been beneficial, or, like, I've had the benefit of my... The DM that I've had the longest is a career improv comedian, so he's really good about just making shit up on the fly, adapting to whatever we do to throw things off the rails. So, it has certain... Which is often, I assume. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, more often than we should probably admit. You gotta be good at that. Um, It's like, oh, you struck an easterly direction for no reason, not knowing what the hell's (laughs) up. All right, all right, I can work with this. Not even that. Like, uh, the most recent campaign we were doing with him was Storm King's Thunder. we spent an entire session on the first paragraph of the book because we spent most of the session inside of a church that wasn't supposed to be fleshed out and hanging out with these goblins that he just made up as throwaway enemies and instead we decided to try and reason with and then make oh my friends goodness. with and then stay the night. <laughs> like, How we educated did. were these goblins? Uh, not very. Okay. W- one person was one of the players. Like she, ref- she did not want to fight them for whatever reason. Like she was just totally against fighting them. Pacifism is cool. Like eventually, uh, the DM decided, like, all right, I'm gonna make these goblins as annoying as possible. So maybe they'll either kill them or go away. And so our wizard was like, instead, I'm just gonna freeze them temporarily to get them to shut up. And he accidentally killed them. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Wait. <laughs> accidentally killed them with well, a like, spell that he understands well? That sounds like DM tomfoolery to me. He he was kind of hoping that it wouldn't kill them. Uh, he was hoping that it would just like freeze them in place or shut them a up. A wizard but... understands their spells very well, and telling a wizard what their spells do instead okay. of the <laughs> reverse is, in my opinion, bad. It, it, was, it was his first time using the spell, but the DM was like, you yeah, know, they're dead. You just fucking killed them. Heartlessly. <laughs> I mean, if it says in the spell it deals damage, then sure. But otherwise, yeah. I'm calling horse shit. 
All right. So, uh, I think we've done enough rabbit holes for a little bit. Uh, we're going to go to our last segment of the second to last segment of the podcast. Um, so we're going to do our hawk our shit uh, oh, yeah. slash uh, shameless plugs. Uh, so Lyle, you're the new guy. Uh, you get to uh, plug yourself first. Uh, where can people find you? You're on Wait, Twitter and Twitch. He's the new guy. Oh boy, I'm the new guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Nick, you're yeah, the no, other I'm new on, guy. Quit I'm your on picture. Twitter, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Breath of the Lyle, obviously a pun of Breath of the Wild with Zelda. Uh, Zelda fanatic. It. It's a pun, <laughs> so we have to drink. Yeah. Oh yes, mm. good. I like that. <laughs> so every time anybody says Lyle, we have to drink too, because just Breath of the Lyle is a pun, right? Sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a variety streamer on on a uh, on Twitch. Like I said, Breath of the Wild. Uh, Breath of the Lyle. God. Damn it, now I'm mixing it up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm playing a little bit of everything, but I'm obsessed with Zelda. I'm TPG, TPGZ uh, writing team. I haven't written something in a really long time, which is really bad, but uh, I'm still, I try to be a member of the Discord and Twitter. Um, I have a lot of opinions, as you guys have clearly, <laughs> yeah, clearly experienced. Look clearly you experienced. Go. Um, I absolutely, to, to give an example, I absolutely loathe Kingdom Hearts. Um, uh, but yeah, if you guys want to find out more, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, all right. And the other new guy here is, um, of course, good old Nick. Uh, where can people find you? You are on uh, Drive Through RPG. Chris always usually hops. Frankly, I'm not really an internet persona. The only things I have online are published for the sake of getting it out there. Let me put it this way: um, <clears throat> if you want to look up something wonderful, look at Five Cataclysms on Drive Through RPG. If you look at the module 100, Timothy, or I'm sorry. The 100 Clones of Timothy the Wise, it is a wonderful module. You have never seen anything like it. It is bizarre and wonderful. And it's not 50 bucks because I want people to experience it. It's only like 5 or 7 bucks. I don't know. I don't care. I have a job. I don't get my money from publishing shit. That's just me putting shit out to the world. So uh, check out 100 Clones of Timothy the Wise. It's excellent if you want a high-level adventure done right. There are those who call him... Kim? I am Kimoshnikov. I don't care what you call me. I I don't exist on the internet practically. <laughs> I just right. publish shit sometimes. Uh, Crow, where can people find you? You still doing your YouTube and stuff? Uh, more or less. I ordered. I got a new microphone and I need to get a new mix amp. So for the time being, I'm not doing anything till that comes in. Uh, but eventually, but... we're gonna do episode two of the TriCast, right? Yeah, eventually we'll have a <laughs> podcast with us talking about Zelda. Um, Hell yeah. You can you can find my YouTube channel is just Crowbird. Uh, I will be doing Twitch as well. I'm on Twitter. Two guys playing Zelda. Like I'm I'm everywhere. These guys are. I'm not as successful as like Lyle is, but there. Define success. <laughs> Better than me. Um, I'm technically successful. Wait. I'm still depressed. So whatever. My mom thinks I'm funny. So <laughs> yeah, there you my go. Stuff. My bottle of whiskey thinks I'm funny. That's the <laughs> most important drink to that but apparently not my wife i can drink to that so i guess i'm gonna spend the rest of the night with this bottle of whiskey instead of my wife tonight <laughs> why not both i don't know she's laughing so maybe both could happen <laughs> i guess i guess we'll see 
Anyways, uh, of course, my co-host, as always, is Chris. Hi, I'm five... Er, uh, fuck. <laughs> what are you this five? Hi, I'm okay, so, on the uh, internet, as opposed to not on the internet, who is... Uh, I, I keep on calling him my co-author. It's really more like we're in the same publishing group, and we work together on that one thing, and then we independently wrote other stuff. But yeah, it's easiest to called Nick, my co-author, for sake of simplicity. Uh, I wrote House of Flowers, an adventure you can pick up for pay what you want on DriveThruRPG. We also wrote Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which is a rule set... Work in progress. Yeah, work in... It's why it's called Beta Mass combat rules to be announced. (laughs) It's still in work in progress, but... uh, uh, What's the acronym for that? Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition. No, 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 for the mass combat. Shit, have it here somewhere. Okay, here it is. I was also going to say that Nick should really shill his other adventures because it's not just a hundred clones of Timothy. Why is that are good? It's also the Sunken Ford. It's also Descent into Madness, which has the first steps out there. Uh... Oh yeah, I remember that little thing. Descent into Madness is probably the best content that hasn't received awesome reviews for whatever reason. I don't know how that world works. But Descent into Madness is basically everything that the Sunken Fort was good at, but cranked up to 11. It's like, I think, 300-ish rooms of just content that you don't typically get in your normal D&D stuff. It's normal D&D stuff, you get like torches, you can twist them, and they have secret rooms and stuff. No, you have like a forest of crazy stuff, you have flesh horror, you have... Wait, no, the museum's not in there. There's good stuff in there, pick it up. It's like five bucks, which is cheap for what you get. If you want a good intro to like a mega dungeon, uh, you should pick up both the Sunken Fort and Descent into Madness. They're connected. They're connected um i'd also shill mad mask spire which is probably one of my favorite mid-level dungeons uh to have ever played through huh it is concise it is compact it has like a big bad end boss it honestly feels like gruntilda's lair (laughs) so take that as you Hmm. want uh neat so yeah, pick any of those up. They, you gotta pay money, but it's, they, they're not expensive. Alright. Mow along, you damn I kids. Am, as always, the host, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. You can find me on Twitter at SpamOmanospam. Uh, you can also find me on TwoGuysPlayingZelda.com and uh, TGPZ Gaming. Uh, so check out the Two Guys Playing Zelda site for that. Uh, coming up next, I have a uh, article I just sent over, which is a review of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, so check that out. It'll probably be posted sometime this weekend. Um, and, uh, with that, uh, we have been a drink to the past, and now is the last segment of the podcast where we just say whatever we want and just kind of talk and bullshit for a little while until somebody says something really, really awkward, and then we cut off the podcast. But now it's not up to me. It's up to Chris to cut off the podcast, so that's a little... Do you think... How do you think... No, I don't. I do not think. Wait, well, gloves are off at this point, that. right? That, yeah, that was off, the right? wrong how, question. How, how would Hick and Red feel about the whole like starting a podcast with? I mean, Wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out on Twitter after this, just because 
Starting a podcast with what? Or was that the end of the sentence? No, podcast war. Oh, God. A podcast war? Right, yeah. yeah just, <laughs> just talk shit on each other. I don't know, man. Whoever has Why the highest coin Why are you starting a war now? I don't know. Why do you care about what his followers watch, you know? Why can't they watch both? <laughs> I'm they can. Well, but maybe if we're in a war, they will watch both. Ooh, yeah. the plot Either, thickens. Regardless, that's not really a war. That's just freaking capitalism there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if well, they wanted if it someone... Well, if more than 29 subscribers, I'll fucking take it, right? If they you wanted want someone on their podcast, like I would hope that they would give the same opinion that they would give on another podcast instead of, you know... Whatever. Instead of I like Hick and Red. They're pretty cool guys, but we're officially a podcast war because Bro (laughs) said it and it's hilarious, so we're gonna go with it. That's 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 our show. This is a podcast war. Yeah, so wait, hold on. Do I have to name this episode We're on a Podcast War or Lyle Talks About Dark Souls? What do what do I name? Neither I can talk about Dark Souls, Kingdom Hearts, Zelda, you name it. Ugh. You're talking about things that aren't yours. I mean, in fairness, you got a lot of stuff that you could work with because we set the record for the most people as well as I, I think we're at this point the longest podcast. Pretty close. Oh probably. man, I haven't even gotten started. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't really the like remember the last time I had four drinks on the podcast, so I might be the I'm not the drunkest I've ever been on the podcast. I don't actually have. Like, I have a very, very mild buzz, which I'm actually kind of surprised at. I am disappointed at this Brazilian... Just drink more of it. Whatever the fuck this is. I can't. It came with one little bottle. I'm drinking more whiskey, so that'll help. So I am interested in answering or asking probing questions for Lyle's misgivings on various topics I'm interested in. But just have probing. <laughs> Probably the anal sore, but uh, you know we'll ease into I, it. I, so I, that hold it on, hurt. I totally missed that last bit. Say it one more time. Probing <laughs> questions, Lael asks. 